Yeah. So I got my bow tie on, yeah I could be chillin' now So I got my dad hat on, yeah Wow, wow I could be chillin' now So I got my dad hat on, yeah I could be suitin' up So I got my bow tie on, yeah Dad hats and bow ties Dad hats and bow Dad hats and bow ties Dad hats and bow I could be suitin' up so I got my bow tie on, yeah. I could be chillin' now. So I got my dad hat on, yeah. Dad hats and bow ties, dad hats and bow, dad hats and bow ties, dad hats and bow ties. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Dad Hats and Bow Ties. I'm your co-host, Distinguished the God. Oh, it's the kid XAB. I missed that cue a little bit. I missed that. She got D flow. Oh, yo, XAB, don't let D-Flow steal the show. Don't let D-Flow steal, okay? He's just the engineer, okay? Thank you. Thank you very much. D-Flow about to come in here. I'm over here. I'm about to just... Now, now I'm going to violate, though. Now, now I have a... I'm gonna just D, D-Flow about to be the a mic by the end of the night. He about to be a mic. What's the... Uh, you got any all-mans, broski? Actually, no, man. I'm just very happy that um all of our shit came in this week, uh, right before the nigga turned thirty. So shout out to everybody who's been making sure these packages um get delivered safely. Oh, I actually want to share a moment with you guys. Um, mm. So, um, this Ooh. is actually like a, a positive moment. So again, we know a lot of our listeners, and we know a lot of people in general. They are going through the struggle dealing with the coronavirus, like everybody else's family For on sure. the face of the planet. Nobody is. Um, not being uh like uh uh affected from this. Everybody's yeah, everybody's being affected in some way, shape, or form. So I was on a phone with a young lady from Amazon the other day. I could hear that she had like <clears throat> a toddler in the back. So really quickly before she helped me out, I said, "Hey, listen. Um, before we do anything with my transaction, I just want to say thank you very much for all of the work that you're doing. You may not hear this every day, but you are necessary. You are essential. I hear that you have a toddler in the back." You're working from home. You still picked up the phone. You've probably been picking up the phone all damn day, all damn week, and you haven't had any rest, so I appreciate you. And she just took a pause and was like, thank you very much for saying that. I really needed to hear that. Not all superheroes wear capes, bro. That's it, son. That's it. So shout out to Tiffany from Amazon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the good thing about that, though, is uh, the fact that you even, you know, took the time and the the desire to even make somebody's day like that. And if we could all do that, that would be an amazing thing. That'd be a great thing. Cause it's, it's, it's really hard. I know that a lot of places we're going to get to it are opening up and a lot of things look like they're trying to transition back to normal. But the reality of the situation is like you've been saying for weeks, the, the normalcy that we're about to receive is not going to be normal. Um, <laughs> as we know, as we know it. And we don't know if we about to step into making things worse or not, you know, because right. people are rushing Thanks. into opening up for the wrong reasons. It's not it's not a matter of, oh, we've beat the virus. Everybody's in a good state. Uh, we should be good. It's a matter of, oh, we got to rush and do this because people are are 
uh, unrested about the economy. So we don't know. We don't know what what's happening. We can't even trust the government in terms of if they're they're opening up because they actually think things are getting better, or they opening up because they got to put this economy together before this fucking election in six months. So, um, I do have an all man. My all man is is very simple. Ain't nothing too crazy. But since quarantine started, I've been catching up with. <laughs> all, I've been catching up with all the fucking shows that I missed during the year because I'm too busy running around doing this, that, and the third. So I've right, been right. on Netflix, and there is a plethora of beautiful, amazing blackity black shows that are on Netflix Fact. now. I didn't mm. fucking binge, binge watch through all of them. I'm talking about She's Gotta Have It, They're White People. Like, I didn't watch all the shits that are popping. So now I'm kind of tight because I don't got no feel-good black shows to watch. So I know this Top Dog mm-hmm. that's still, or, yeah, Top Dog that's still out there. But that ain't a feel-good. Niggas gonna get shot in the head. Put put three holes mm-hmm. in your head like a bowling mm-hmm. boy, big boy. Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to <laughs> watch shit like that just, just yet. So... I'm a little upset. So any listeners have some really feel good blackity black shows for me to listen to or watch or whatever, let me know. But uh, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Flo, what about you? And that's lit though, bro. Um, I don't, I'm not, I have no all man moments this week, bro. Everything has been some chill. So, <clears throat> um, my week has been pretty cool. So my only issue that I'm having right now is that my sleep my sleep schedule is turned upside down, but. Besides that, I am chilling. Sleep schedule is fucked up, bro. I be going. Damn, that's like rough. Five o'clock sometimes. It's just the days are bleeding into one another. So yeah, you, you get you're losing you're losing track of everything. You know, like the time is like the timing is just all over the place. So you know, but besides that, I am chilling, McMillan, my friend. All right, all right, Broski. What we getting into first? Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> certain states and cities have opened up as a result of fewer cases with the coronavirus. What does this mean for places like New York City who are still not out of the woods? So I think what that means is that me personally, I think it's a great opportunity for us to see who's going to fuck up first. And prior to this conversation, we know that places like Atlanta, Georgia is fucking up right now. From what I've been seeing and hearing on the news and from what we said offline, Yo, this yeah, we said, have to learn not to do what Atlanta's doing. Right now. Who's going to fuck up first? Right. You I know, don't know New if it's going to be a, a great that's seat. That's a fact, bro. I don't know if it's going to be Atlanta or Florida because them niggas in Florida is bugging out too. Oh, Florida is, oh my God. Charlemagne said it best. All the wildest people come from Florida and all of the Bronx. Deadass. So for me, I mean, a lot of states are opening up, um, but they're actually okay. still seeing a rise in cases. And Georgia is one of really? them that's still seeing a rise in cases. They're not seeing a really, a, yeah, they're not seeing a decline. Oh, they're actually shit they is open still up? going up. But the governor, that was... the, the governor is Republican and is trying to uh, follow what Trump wants, and I guess that's what it is. But um. I think a lot of this has to do with how America is built because we have limited safety nets under the guise of capitalism for economic downturns. So under the false reality that uh, we will incentivize people not to work if we have these social nets in place, a lot of people are starting to get restless and they have no income coming in and they're in a predicament where their job is at jeopardy 
And so the choice becomes, uh, do I risk getting sick or do I risk starving? And I think New York City has a lot of government support programs for us. So we can somewhat support people being in quarantine longer than other states. I don't think that New York is in a rush to open up, but I do feel like we're in our transition period. We're probably about to start hearing things opening up pretty soon. Um, People are going out more and we've seen consistent declines in the in the state. So I do feel like we are heading in the direction where New York will be opening things up pretty soon. But yeah, these other states is going to fuck shit up because then these niggas is going to want to come to New York and it's going to be pandemonium all over again. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the biggest issues I have is that, okay, you guys want to, okay, you guys want to open things back up, right? That is fine. But one thing I respect Governor Cuomo for doing is him doing it in phases. Where phase one, you really, you know, you let, you let, you know, maintenance and construction continue. Like if you're in Georgia, Georgia is a big delivery state. So you open up back the farms, you open up back, you know, certain things to start functioning that are a bit more essential than, you know, than your healthcare workers and your groceries and, you know, the service providers. You open it, like you do it in phases, you, you little by little, you know, um, break the workforce back in. Not just open back up the whole the whole state, yeah. and now you have niggas going to work, and you know they're at work now. What if you work in the office building with fifteen hundred other dudes on your floor, and every desk is three feet apart? Your cubicle is literally only separated by a thin piece of glass. Yep. Now, now what? You feel mm-hmm. me? The next nigga sneeze. That nigga sneezes next to you. You got it. There's no if. <laughs> you got it. Nigga D flow went to the juggler. Sneeze, he dies. <laughs> you got it. He nigga say he, he's you got it, my friend. That shit ain't no no maybe. Well, let's hope and see what happens. Nah, nigga. <laughs> Yo, I'm dead. Ain't no fucking games being played, son. That's a type of anxiety I can't I can't go to work with that. Type I'm of not anxiety, trying to. Bro. I'm not trying to hear nothing like that, bro. I can't bro. do that, son. I'm not trying to be at work and nigga Malcolm is next to me looking and he, you know he got it, son. He looked at you in your eyes as he sat next to you and you'd be like, this nigga got it. I know he got it. I mean, and, and that nigga does that. that. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You bring up a good point because there's going to be people who are sick who haven't been able to bring in income for a while that are going to force themselves back to work Correct. and 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 cause things to get a little wacky out there. I don't know, man. Facts. That that's where I stand on it, but um, like you said, I think Governor Cuomo is doing a great job by also observing how these states who don't have as as large of a as large of a population, and you know, see how their workforce does, and then make a make a um make a decision from there. Because if a if a state like Florida takes a crazy hit then he can make a more informed decision as to how much he wants to reopen back our economy. I mean, he's listening to the CDC. So that's why he he's doing what you're supposed to do. And he's really making Trump look like a damn buffoon up there because um, he's calm, cool, collected. Um, and he's listening to what the doctor said. It's that simple. But <laughs> he listening to what the doctor said. <laughs> Nigga just listening to what the doctor It's crazy. Um, crazy. So tell us about this battle rap situation, Thanks. Broski. 
Yeah, so I, boy, I was on, I was sent this, and I watched it, and this was the first time in a long time. Y'all know me, man. I love hip-hop. I love bars. I love when people be just getting in a motherfucker ass, like, just getting that nigga shit. You know what I mean? Love that All shit. Right. So. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You need to relax, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's over there. Uh, so, <laughs> to... <laughs> will you let me get it out? Will you let me pull it out? Yes or no? Thank okay. You. All right. I don't know, bro. I don't know. Ain't no pulling out of nothing happening over here. Listen, so. he's in the comfort of his own home. He can do whatever really, he so yeah. please. Yeah, we, we nah, been, my nigga. Why are you encouraging this? We should have been filming this. We should have been filming this on Zoom. Oh, all right. I'm good, sir. <laughs> so two dudes is battle rapping. I don't know when the battle happened. It's, it's rappers I've never heard before. And one dude is basically, you know, battle rap flow. It gets very disrespectful. Testosterone is building. Niggas is beating they meat in, in a lyrical form. And dude is just going in. On homie's daughter, like young daughter, like she's not a pre-adolescent yet, like she's not even 10 years old yet, daughter. And he's basically saying all of his rhymes is about how she's dark skinned and his uh daughter is light skinned and his baby mama is light skinned, but the dude daughter is dark skinned and she looks like a piece of shit because she looks like him. And then he says a line in there where when she comes of age, I'm gonna put the bitch on a strip and she's gonna be giving me money helping. Helping me get this bread while sucking other niggas' dicks. And I'm just like, whoa. Oh shit. Bro, he he was going, yo, bro, I've never heard no disrespectful shit like that in uh battle rap history than what I heard the other day. That so, shit was crazy. So yeah. So let me start by saying in, oh in the sport of battle rap and in and in war or anything like that, there's no such thing as going too far. With that being said, (laughs) with that being said, what you're willing to do in a battle rap shows me who you are. And in this case, this nigga's disgusting. Like, we all know there are three things that will get you punched in your motherfucking mouth. Talking about somebody's kids, talking about their wife, and talking about their mom. So he brought up the kids and he brought up the wife. But that wasn't the nasty part about it. Like, all right, cool. I've seen other battle raps where niggas talk about niggas' wives. They talk about niggas' kids, whatever. I still think that's too far for me. Me personally, as like I said, it, it's not about... You could do whatever the fuck you want to do in a battle rap. Niggas is not going to stop the, the battle because Just you don't said touch some, me, right. some flagrant shit. But if a nigga decides to, to pop you in your mouth or if niggas decide not to fuck with you after that, I don't disagree right. with them because... You showing your character when you're willing to just do anything just to get a point in a battle rap. But Correct. besides that, the nasty part about it um, comes to me from him talking about how dark the, the dude's homie is, the daughter and the wife are, are dark. And to me, that, that, would, that wouldn't give me a point. Like that would, If I was judging it, I would be looking at him like, this shit is, what you're saying is dumb. So, like, darker or lighter skin being associated with beauty is slave talk. Like, that's really what that shit is. Um, And that's what it comes down to. There are light-skinned girls that are beautiful. There are dark-skinned girls that are beautiful. There are girls with vitiligo that are beautiful. So, we have to stop living in this mindset that somehow a color tone makes, uh, takes away from somebody's beauty. 
I think it's ignorant, it's nasty, it's disgusting. To me, it's like a white person that says that they're not racist, but then it's quick to call a black person nigga. So uh, when they get mad, but like that, everyone is uh, entitled that to brings their... us to our huh? I, I was just gonna say that that brings us to our next point. Where do we as black men like have an issue with our black women, son? That's a fact. And every listen, uh, every yeah, yeah, everyone has a preference. But when it comes to what when they're when it comes to what they're attracted to, I'm not gonna kill you for what you're attracted to. To me, I can make my own personal judgments about it, whether you know your reasonings for being attracted to certain people. But when you start weaponizing what color is to have, like that's a different conversation. Now it's a nasty conversation. You thought that by calling his daughter dark, you were dissing him, and that to me tells me everything I need to know about how much you hate yourself, how much you hate black women. And how much you're just nasty and you need to reevaluate the fact that you're a slave still on the porch. Big facts, bro. Damn, damn, damn. I see you, daddy, hitting today. Okay. Yeah, we we out here. (laughs) No punches. But yeah, Flo, we definitely going to talk about black women and black men because that's that's another conversation that we definitely need to have. Facts. Facts. Uh, Speaking about conversation that we need to have in lieu of Corona, we all know that a lot of people are dying. We all know that a lot of people are getting it and then recovering and then getting it again. Here's a story of a 49-year-old top doctor at New York Presbyterian Hospital, which my mom actually used to work at several years back. Um, this doctor had contracted the coronavirus earlier on. Um, she did stay home. She did listen to the quarantine um, uh, 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 situation. She did follow guidelines, what they told her to do when she was at home. She recovered. She said she was feeling good. Her father had told her, do not go back to work. She did not listen to that advice. She went back to work, and this week, I think it was Monday, she committed suicide. Mm-hmm. What? Um, so according to the New York Times paper that I read, um, the father wants his daughter to be uh, remembered as both a hero and a victim. Are we here for that? Both hero and victim? Is this, is, is, is this Batman, a Harvey Dent, and Two-Face? Is that what we doing? I don't I don't understand what the victim comes from though. The he uh I guess from the way I read it and the way I'm interpreting it, he's basically saying that his daughter was a victim because she fell loo to getting the coronavirus, beat it, and then got the shit again, but still wanted to have a quote unquote good heart and still go out there, even though she was advised not to do it because she wasn't really one hundred percent mentally able to deal with that because she had told her staff members and colleagues that you know, these deaths are affecting me mentally. She had said that prior to her falling to her death. She she did see it. She did say these Damn. things. But the father is basically saying he wants us to be remembered for both a hero and a victim because she was on the front lines and she also did contract this disease. So the disease, I guess, pushed her over the edge is what I guess he's, that's the point he's trying to make. And you, you said something, bro, and this is not, I've I've been hearing about this more often lately where there's been a few people that said they've contracted the virus twice. Yeah, bro. Yeah, that's that, that's a little wacky to me. That means your body never really got rid of it. So how how can you contract exactly. it so your never, body never really got rid of that shit? Which also means that we're 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 taking for granted the fact that you could catch this virus again if you're not actually taking care of yourself. Yeah, and I Correct. think there's a misconception. I think there's a misconception about antibodies too, though. 
you are susceptible of contracting the same thing twice. Your body just should be able to fight it off a little bit better the second time, third time, fourth time around. Exactly. That's like um, a nigga in the hood getting getting the slap from Betty. Like, you got the chlamydia the first time. Nigga, you could beat it the second time if you get it. It's nothing, my nigga. Nigga, you know how this looks on your dick. You got it. You could beat it. Come on, nigga. Take well, this I, prescription. I, I do think that... I don't know, all, bro. That was a really bad analogy, bro. All that, although that's a wacky analogy, it does make sense, though, because it's like... <laughs> Yeah, like niggas get chlamydia. Hold on, my nigga. No, son. You're not going to let it rock, X. Can't let Yo, let that, it bro. rock, bro. X, X wants to move on, Flo. Let it rock. I'm, I'm rolling. I'm rolling. Because you can get chlamydia more than once. And and if, right. I'm, if I'm not mistaken... Chlamydia is the STI and gonorrhea is the is the um bacteria. It, Correct. It, one of the two yeah, is, is the bacteria. One of them is the bacteria. One of them is the virus. I mean, yeah, it's Correct. a virus. So you can get a virus multiple times. Dang, you know what I'm saying? So it's it's just a matter of does your body build up certain antibodies regarding it, um and and things like that. But um, but. For me, in terms of, of this particular conversation, yes, she's a hero and a victim, in my opinion, because um, her, her having saved countless lives as a doctor makes her a heroine to me. And even though she committed suicide, her taking her life makes her a victim in this entire situation because people are going through some really, really horrible shit during this pandemic, like mm -hmm. especially as healthcare workers and as doctors. So. We're talking about doctors and nurses that have never lost a patient before now because, oh, like, on a normal basis, people are coming in with relatively easy things to cure. And then at a drop mm. of a dime, they're losing five or more patients a day. And so you're going from a situation where maybe you lost a patient every two years to now you're right. losing a patient daily and you're watching these people die. You're watching these, these people are holding your hand because they have no family in the room and things like that. So that amount of stress on someone's psyche is unimaginable. Like this is why these doctors and these nurses deserve to get a hero's welcome every time they come home. Um, I would never advocate for suicide or anything like that. I want to be clear, but this climate is scary and you just don't know how people are going to respond when you're working these crazy hours, you go on to work like 20 hours out of the day or 16 hours, you going home, you coming right back. And things like that, like that does a lot to somebody. So it it is a lot. And maybe she was advised not to go back, but maybe she felt like you yeah. know she belonged there. And and then a lot yeah. of these doctors are also feeling guilty because guilt again, if, herself, you, if you're she, used she, to she never losing a patient, a and now you're losing these patients, you're feeling a lot of doctors are sitting there like, yo, what did I do wrong, or or what could I have done better to make this person so. I, mm -hmm. She guilted you. And, and that's an actual fact, though, because there's a lot of doctors and I, I'm watching, you know, I was watching a few different things on Instagram and that is the truth. A lot of doctors who's been, you know, they've been in the field 20 years, 25 years that like what X said might have only lost a patient maybe mm -hmm. twice a year, once a year. <clears throat> and it, it would have been for something that's out of their control, you know, a heart attack or, you know, a car accident, you know, or being shot. Or something, you know, or a terminal illness that couldn't, you know, cancer, like stage four cancer or some shit like that. Now you have people who come in the hospital with with a, with a respiratory disease. And like you said, you're losing five patients in one day. And you imagine being the head doctor on your floor and you're responsible 
and you're you know you're manning you know five six residents and and forty nurses, and you're in when your, you put in it like triage, that, it sounds yeah. When you put it like losing, that, it sounds startling. You know, it does. 20, it actually sounds like it's a bad a movie. It's like in you one week, you like you know you're not in a movie, but you know you kind of know how this movie's gonna alone. end. Like every day mm-hmm. you that, wake that's up, it's like oh shit. Yeah, that's discouraging, bro. Like, and you know they're dying there and they're dying alone. They're not even dying. Like, fa- you can't even bring the family members in to console them. They're just dying there by themselves. And then you have to make that phone call to the family. So and and let's discouraging, man. Let's also add we're watching grandmas die and granddads. Like, imagine having to watch someone that you know is somebody's grandma, granddad, just pass in in, in your face. Over and over and over. That's a lot, man. That's, that shit yeah, is that's crazy. A lot. Like, so I can't, I can't imagine it, man. And there's people that you know losing both grandparents. They're losing family. And, you know, I saw this one guy put up today. He lost his entire, pretty much his whole family in a week. He lost his sister. He lost his sister, his brother, and his mom all within one week. So, yeah, it's 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 wacky, bro. Like this situation is is wacky to say the least, and. Um, it's just weird, bro. I don't, I don't know how to feel about it. That's why I, I feel so. I have so much reserved feelings about it because people are going in for different reasons, and you know, I have, um, I had a, a close family. Well, actually, a family member of mine, actually, that was. She's a, a essential worker, and you know, she had a pretty much a mini heart attack because she was in a panic because she came home. And she brought some food home and then she brought the food home and I guess her husband took the food without like actually like wearing no gloves or and it was like something miscellaneous. It's like a very petty like not petty, but like such a small thing that she that the, the husband did. But that yeah. small gesture like just pushed her over the hump because she's so anxious from all of this that mm. just touching the food without wow. gloves like pushed her right over the hump. And it gave her such a, a a crazy anxiety attack that she had to go to the hospital. And when she got there, they told her she had a mini heart attack. So this is the type of stress a lot of these people are dealing with on a, on a daily basis. And, you know, hearing friends saying, yeah, I just lost this person. Or, yeah, I just lost that person. It's, 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 it's disheartening, man. Like, I... And then hearing wow. people Insane. who have been healthy all their lives being like, yo, I just... I had a cough today and I went to the hospital and they told me I have pneumonia, but I tested negative for the corona. Oh man. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like it's it's crazy to me, bro. Like, I don't know. Nah, it's wild. Yeah, a lot of people are Yeah, it's wacky. That's why I'm I'm wondering, it's like the government had like it's either they don't care or you know, they're not they're not being affected by it the same way. I think the government literally does, has no idea what to do, honestly. I think that they have no clue what's the best way to move forward. And be, because of that, um, they're doing a lot of shit just off the whim. Like Shout the out to the Lakers the for giving that shit back. The small business loan was given out. And niggas like Shake Shack 
and other multi-million dollar that companies. Me, were, that had me bewildered. Those, I was like, why did y'all pay for it? Y'all, $10 yeah, million the, dollars the Lakers and shit. is worth, and then, from what I read, like four, six point billion dollars. Yeah, but they shouldn't have applied for the shit in the first place. That's the problem. <laughs> So it's like y'all, y'all shouldn't have, y'all knew y'all shouldn't have applied for the shit. And then y'all want kudos for giving the money back. But I'm like, all right, whatever. But yeah, all these organ, all these big multi-million. So it's like, y'all not even vetting things properly. That right. tells me y'all have no idea what the fuck y'all doing. Like at all. That's, <laughs> they ain't know how they was going to give everybody the stimulus check. They just sent it out <laughs> to certain people and people still talking about they never got oh, it. Man, speaking about everything like you that. need to so know. So it's just kind of like, fuck y'all don't know what y'all doing, doing at all. Last and week, he sarcastically, I and I was actually watching this. So I was watching it. He sarcastically encouraged, right. yo, he encouraged Americans <laughs> to ingest disinfectant and says it was the cure for the outbreak. And I don't know. That a was lot of sarcastic, bro. Actually, did it. That was, he and was dead ass. Is sick now. That nigga Legit. was dead. He claimed. Fucking idiots. Apparently, hundreds of people did it. Um, the people that listen to him are just dumb as fuck. That's that's my take on that. Facts. I, I mean, for all yeah, our I got lives, nothing to say, bro. All our lives, we've been told, and on the fucking bottle label, it says it's not for you to even touch your skin. So they just dumb as fun. Fuck. I think he should be held accountable for at least eighty percent of what's happening. And I'm gonna tell you why. Politics aside, is because he doesn't need to be doing these daily briefings in the first fucking place. Like he gets on stage and talks about nothing every night, and then when he doesn't do that like he's talking about like he doesn't need to do that he could just let the doctors talk and he just refuses to do that he just wants to be up there he could even just talk about very mini- minimal things and then just get off stage but he prefers to just be up there and just talk um and he could just keep it to facts and not speculation but he's always speculating about some new cure and some new this and some new that just to give false hope uh, for the desperate and I think there are hundreds of pe- hundreds of people who did it. They should have known better. But I think when you're desperate, you might try some shit. And you know, if you sit in there and a lot of you feel like you can't breathe, you're not able to go to the hospital and this, that, and the shit. And you hear president talking about some well, try the disinfectant fucking cure. I don't know. I still think niggas are stupid for that. But I could see some desperate ass person in in Omaha. Fucking trying to fucking survive and nigga fuck Omaha nigga we had thirty cases in New York that's a fact so it's like I'm just like yo like all's my life I've been told to stay the fuck away from Clorox bro you only (laughs) use that shit to clean with and all of a sudden because I'm sick you think I'm finna take a mouthful let me take a gulp of this shit and see what happens what's the worst that could happen you could die faster my nigga that's what the fuck could happen like why would I even do that the it's shit not is even acidic. a consideration it's acidic so I don't even understand like it's just gonna fuck your organs you up smell Clorox out the bottle you'll probably faint bro you just take a wolf for that. You open that I'm shit. I'm such a, a fucking hoe. I love that. it. Uh, Much less uh, ingesting uh, that shit, bro. Nah, I am good, sir. You definitely gonna be little pump high, <laughs> at least. At, l- <laughs> 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 at least 
Mm. At least, bro. Shout out to Kanye um, West. Um, we made you, homie. We made you. We made you. Kanye West has finally become a, a billionaire. Um, Shout outs to that guy. Yeah, so. Another black billionaire. God damn it. Yeah, even though Kanye West is nowhere near the idol that he once was to me, I still kind of, I'm elated that there's another black billionaire out there. Um, well, not, not, let, let's just clarify this one really quick, though, and, and just for people to understand. Kanye West has a net worth of $1.3 billion. Mm-hmm. What that means is that his brand and his, his all of his record sales correct, and whatnot. Correct, correct. Over, we know he has. We know he has a couple million in the bank. Years, probably not one point three billion. A couple million over is probably one point three billion dollars. That doesn't mean that Kanye West has one point three billion dollars in the bank. It just means that he, he probably has a couple hundred mil. He probably he has at least a hundred or two hundred in the bank. But it just means that his brand has generated over one point three billion dollars. So just for people, you know, just to clarify and for, for us to understand what this means is that another successful black man has generated more than a billion dollars with his Yeah, I was also going to say, too, from, from what so I read according to, to the New York man. Times, because that's, Kudos that's how I'm him. getting these news these days. I'm just getting Kudos these free papers at the job. Thing. So, so I just be reading them. Not, he like did four it or five of his brand itself. According so. to what I read in the New York Times article, they basically said that Kanye West, the reason for this even happening so quickly, like him getting to this level in his uh, um, status is because of the Yeezys. They said the Yeezys, because remember, originally the Yeezys was supposed to be the uh, the situation between him and Nike. And then he had the, the fallout. He had the fallout with the Red Octobers. If we remember, they were supposed to come out at a certain time. They took the design and he didn't get nothing for them. We was all kind of like, what the fuck happened with that deal? And then he went over to Adidas right. and was like, fuck that. I don't fuck with Nike no more. And technically, from what I was reading, the nigga kind of don't fuck with Adidas. And I'm like, but Adidas help you make your sneakers. He, he, he's weird, son. He's weird. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Kanye wants to be the master. He wants to be the master of his own ship at the end of the day. And I think what he realized from mm-hmm. from the Nike situation and from early, you know, 2010 area when he was just screaming about how people weren't giving him a chance was that if you build the brand big enough through one of these parent companies, right. you can always branch off after and become your own brand. And I think that that's really his ultimate goal is to be a Kanye West brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just using he's just using all these other speaking, houses speaking right about now Kanye West brand. just to get his name bigger and bigger so that he can get the best people uh, he, that he possibly can to get involved and he can build his own Kanye West brand. That's that's really his end goal. Yeah, I mean, for, for I was just about to worth, say he owned 100 percent of that. He, he, just to clarify, he he's not doing bad with that deal. You know, he's getting 10 percent royalty. He owns the name Jesus. So he. Mm-hmm. Yep, he owns the name, which means he's trademarked it and he owns it. But Adidas mm-hmm. is who manufactures and distribute the shoes. So, you know, he comes up with the design, he submits the design, but they manufacture and distribute it. So he's getting 10% royalty mm-hmm. based off 
his creation, which is still not bad because all he's doing is submitting in a design. But however, they are profiting off right. of his brand. And also too, just to add, so it's a it's a trick Kanye thing to be a part of. I, but I didn't even day, know this until he doesn't I read take no risk in the that. article. All the Kanye has a company, fellas, called Kanye Incorporated. You I don't know, know if y'all mean? know that. So all. Uh, Yeah, he has it. I was like, wow. I don't know what it's used for, but they said it generates him money. And I was like, okay. I'm pretty that. sure most of these most of these people, most of these artists, they start a, a LLC in their name once they pop off. Because it it, well, not nah, it probably it's probably his main company, bro. Because when you when you when you get into a business like that, nothing you don't want nothing tied to your personal name. You want everything tied to the LLC. Mm. You feel me? That way, smart, whatever money smart, is in your personal smart. name, if all shit goes south and you have to go bankrupt, you could bankrupt the company and don't lose none of your personal money. Yeah, I was about to say. And the company just takes the L. Yeah, like. I was about to yeah, say you do when. That chapter. Oh, go ahead, Flo. My fault. No, just saying you do that chapter 11 and the chapter 11 just files bankruptcy for the LLC and not for your name. And he probably has a LLC that's owned by a trust. That he owns the trust, so there's several levels to it, and then you might have Kanye. You might have Kanye Incorporated, and then underneath Kanye Incorporated, you have right. Jesus, and then you have underneath Jesus, you might have you know particular smaller brands, and then another branch of Kanye Incorporated might be Good Music. You feel me? And then you might have Good Music Publishing. Kanye, Kanye, Omaru Company West. on the next side, and then Kanye Incorporated is owned by a trust that Kanye, whatever his real name is, owns. Because I don't even know if his real name is actually Kanye West. I was um okay, so, I was gonna say yeah, I was gonna say when when I was um look because I have, you know, I have different talents that technically fall into different businesses. So when I was looking to set up each one, I was advised, why don't you make a parent company that's your name? And then everything else has to be under that parent company um, that your, na- your name is LLC. And then all those other companies, you, you branch them out like Flo is saying. And one of the other reasons that that's good is because you can use them as collateral for one another. Um, if something ever goes down um, in terms of like, it, right. like he said, when, like let's say someone decided they wanted to sue... Kanye because of a Yeezus or whatever like that. They're suing Yeezus. They're not suing Kanye West because right. if they can sue Kanye West, they can get a larger sum of money. That's for sure. For, for whatever it is. Like, let's say like somebody choked on a Yeezus or some shit like that. They have to sue Yeezus. Like, they have to sue the Yeezys. They can't, they, the Yeezy company, they cannot sue Kanye um, directly. And so like breaking it up that way, there it leaves collateral for you to be like, all right, well, if someone claims they want to sue me for this, then they have to sue this company and whatever this company's net worth is is at this moment in time instead of what my net worth is because you're looking at Kanye's $1.3 billion. If someone says they want to sue him for, you know, suffering and whatever, pain and suffering, and they need X Ladies amount. and gentlemen, we now already gave y'all a lot of free game. We off this topic. Y'all don't pay us enough for this shit. I'm sorry. Post, so we gave y'all a lot of motherfucking free game. It's over for that. I'm sorry. Yep. Happy million. quarantine. That's, that's, Moving on to the next topic. That's, okay. That's the best way to do it. 
Nah, that is. But that's nah. what I said, brother. They have to pay you. But what are you not understanding? They have to give you that money. You kidding me? Nigga, nah, you just that, taught me something. That shit right the there is, is really right, a gem. Right that's along. some lawyer shit The way shit we right live there. podcast. Right. So the way we live podcast, if you Facts, guys don't boy. know already, this <laughs> podcast is a brand new podcast. It was birthed out of the quarantine. <laughs> I was listening to, you know, my mom be having um, 106.7, like, F on, on every fucking day. Every day I hear all of these old ass songs. And that's why they call it the blue. Like, you hear all this shit every day. I'm like, all right, all right. What, what has my house turned into? Anyway, so they was going on a commercial break. And they're like, check out the new podcast, guys. We have a new podcast called The Way We Live, and it discusses crises all across the world, including the coronavirus. So then I was thinking, wait a minute. I said this a while ago on this podcast that I predicted niggas is going to try to do spinoffs off of this corona. I didn't think they would do podcasts. because I was saying movies and TV shows, but lo and behold, my brothers, we have a Way We Live podcast. Are, are we here for this? Because all they do is talk about coronaviruses and... Um, things that have happened over the last few years, but they're really like getting people to listen in because they're strictly coming from a COVID nineteen stance. Thoughts, comments, concerns. Um. Well, for me. Mm-hmm. I'm here for the docu series narrative okay. type podcasts that are gone that are birthed out of situations. Um, so if that's what right. it's doing, then cool. I'm not really here a hundred percent for like the chat cast versions of it, where it's like people are just sitting around talking about Corona as they're living it type shit. Like that, I wouldn't really want to listen to something like that. But a docu series like what they did with Six Nine Infamous and and where mm-hmm. they break down. Mm-hmm different levels of the virus and different <laughs> levels of how we got to where we are. I would want to listen to some shit like that, but that's just me. Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's too much. That's too much anxiety for me, bro. I, I even, even with all this Corona shit, like I try to log, I try to just get the facts. I, I try to stay aware of what the facts are, get all the necessary you know, all the necessary data that I need to see just because I want to be aware of where we, where we stand in this current situation. But I, I don't know. It might pique my curiosity because I love listening to the intricacies of of how pandemics break. Like, I watched a whole Netflix fucking documentary of, of, of pandemics and talking about the old school stuff and, you know, pandemics that happened back in 1918 and in the earlier years. That Those things intrigue me. But I think in, I couldn't, like, I tried watching that, um, I think it was Quarantine or whatever the, the name of the, there was a show on Netflix about uh, a similar breakout situation. Mm-hmm. And that shit gave me such high level of anxiety because we're stuck currently in the moment. Mm. So watching it and being a part of it just made me more anxious. So I was just like, nah, I'm good. Like, it's one thing when your mind isn't on it and mm. you're watching it. But when your mind is on it and then you're watching, you'll be like, shit, what if this happened to us? Right. Like, that's, right. A, that's a level of anxiety that yeah. I, I just don't wish to partake in. You never know. Listen, man, yeah. people change every day. Um, you know? Yeah, I'm, I think for right now, I'm not with it. But I might listen to it later <laughs> on, you know, and see what it's about for sure. So, uh, as we alluded, um, we're going to talk about a topic that um, I think is very important for black men to start discussing. 
Um, also, this part of the podcast is is going to get a little deep um, regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment, rape and abuse. So um, just giving this disclaimer for anybody that may get triggered by said conversations, we're not going to be our over the top silly selves during this um, because I think that what's been going on that everybody has been discussing on Twitter and on other social media platforms is super, super important to be serious about. Um, but before we get into that specific conversation that we we have to talk about, because I, like I said, I think it's important for black men to really discuss those, those things. Um, a friend of ours, mutual friend of all of ours, put up a, a status the other, other day that said, why do black women feel like black men don't love them? Mm-hmm. And um, he got like, last I checked, it was like 156 comments on it. And it turned into a kind of like a back and forth. Um, and so kind of want us to talk about it. And I'll just preface it with some of the things that um, how I feel about it. And then. You know, we could we could go deeper into it. But um, when I hear that statement, it makes me sad. So um, it makes me sad because it's been a consistent theme for decades now that black women have held this sentiment, this sentiment that we, you know, black men don't love them. And uh, it seems like black men have barely done anything to change that viewpoint. So, like, that's the sad part is, like, what are we doing as black men to really change that narrative? And I would love to have a daughter at some point, and I do have two goddaughters, but I would hate for them to grow up in a world where they feel like the men that look like me don't love them. And in order for them to find real love, they would believe that they'd have a better chance doing so with a man that doesn't look like me. So that's the other sad part about it to me. And a lot of black women don't even do that. They don't even. That's the crazy part. It's like they won't even leave and go and find uh, someone outside the race. A lot of them will just settle with the bullshit that a lot of dudes are out here doing, which perpetuates the trauma. So that's how I kind of feel about it. Um, And then. The terrible part about it is like when like this, like I said, this conversation has been going on for a while and a lot of times men get defensive about it. And they're like a lot of times the first thing I see is almost guaranteed every time there's going to be at least one nigga in there that's talking about, well, I know mad black dudes that are good to black women. So why do you guys feel that way? And it's like, yes, they're just because. Someone says black men doesn't don't love black women um, is even though it's a general statement that doesn't necessarily mean that all black men do that or maybe even the majority of them don't. But there is a large portion. And unfortunately, the statistics do say that it's a it is a majority in a sense. And so it says part of terrible statistics is that black women um Basically, black men and Hispanic people are two to three times more likely to report partner violence. So that means that according to that statistic, 
that it might be happening again with statistics you have to nuance how they're written and what exactly they're studying so this is talking about reports report doesn't necessarily mean that more black people are more violent towards but it's an indicator and is definitely a correlation if there's more reports that might mean there's more incidents so it there's an assumption there that the three to the two to three times more likeliness in reporting um intimate domestic violence that means that wow. it's happening on a higher rate so black and hispanic people are two to three times more and then black men are twice as likely as black women to marry outside of their race so out of the people that were uh, studied and surveyed 24 percent of the black men were marrying outside of their their race as opposed to 12 percent of the the black women that were marrying outside of their race and then the final point is is in the 70s when black exploitation was a bigger a big thing um black men were spearheading the pimping game um in terms of using black women as means as a product just to get money and not showing any care for black bodies in that sense a black female body specifically so the statistics kind of the, the statistics back the sentiment that black women have and you know that's that's what i have so far um regarding um, that and how i feel at least I, I, i'm i'm gonna go i'm gonna go first and i have five points for it one and this is a and as comedic as this may sound we have to also go back to the roots of it. So slavery, and I'm going to just leave that right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. So we're just going to leave that, and we're going to leave the psychological, physical, and trauma that came with that. And we know where that led us to, and the mental damage, and the, what it did to the psycholo- what the psychological mm-hmm. effect of that has been, and how that has bled and transferred into our everyday lives more than we can even recognize it. Two, which is a part, which is a, another slide down from slavery right. where a lot of people, a lot of us black men, and black people in general, when you come from the the bottom of the bottom and your mm-hmm. only goal is to get out the hood and your perception of getting out the hood is I can't do it if I'm stuck here. So when they get out the hood and they get exposed to quote unquote the grass greener on the other side a lot of them date outside the race because simply they feel as if though oh if i marry this white woman my life is going to be that much better because in there the, we've been we've been pushed to think that anything is better than us yeah it's you know a nasty so it's, it's a, a nasty nasty mindset it's a nasty psychological it's a very trick. nasty and then let's not talk about i'm going to bring up the pimp factor where why is it that every black film that was made me neither i i never knew a pimp that the man had to be a pimp and realistically did y'all niggas know any pimp growing up cuz i never knew a pimp personally and i could guarantee you that there was maybe one pimp there was maybe let's say 100 pimps for the 20 million niggas running around the city. So you're telling me 
that less than a tenth of a percent of us as black people was represented to an entire country, that that's the mm. best we could do, that's the only way niggas knew how to hustle, mm. was being a pimp and exploiting our black saying women. Some when, shit, Flo, yeah. saying some real shit, Flo. When brothels and whores has been around for eons? Fuck out of here. Come on now. Yeah. Like, let's not, let's not do that. I hate when, I hate when people do this thing. Like, mm. people, you can't want to make such general statements without taking the time to do the research. Media and perception has what's, is what's putting us in the depths. We as black people marry amongst ourselves much more. One. Two, there's way more domestic violence that happens within the white household that happens within the black household. These are actual statistical facts. It's actually less likely that a black man will, will strike their woman. However, what happens is that reports, and I find it fascinating and I'm glad X said it, these are just reports. Because I mean, at the end of the day, uh, uh, let's let me finish this statement. Mm-hmm. If if we came from Africa, right, where we were taught to love our women, these are these are these are traditions amongst the African tribes, and we came over here, and because of how slavery and the conditioning they placed on us on slavery, we saw that this is the great way to discipline. Or they may have taught us that this is a great way to discipline. Or we saw that the slave masters used to beat up on their women. Or the slave masters came and beat up on the women for us. And now all of a sudden, it became something that's habitual because habits are learned. Now it's something that seems common. I mean, These are things that were pushed on us. I, I, I definitely agree that there is, like... That the conversation regarding black men not loving black women and black women not loving black men, I think that's the tip of the iceberg. Like, there's definitely a lot more to it that we got to discuss. It's, 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 the, it's the symptom. It's not the cause. But I, I also don't... I want to be very clear that it doesn't discredit the uh, narratives that a lot of black women do have where... You know, a lot of the men that they're coming across because because they're afflicted by this trauma, because society doesn't value women in general, let alone the black woman, um, because of all these things that they do experience these situations where, um, you know, they're, they're going through certain things. Statistically, again, based on how the reports are, are typically put out. Um, for a long time, it was Hispanic people who had more domestic violence. It seems like at this point in time, black uh, people are, are being put at the top of the list. And then, of course, white people, which you always got to, again, you always got to look at those statistics with a with a keen eye um, because a lot of them have like unfair. They, they don't there's no other way to measure it for some people. And so what they're measuring isn't really capturing the true story. But again, that doesn't really discredit the fact that there are um, black voices basically kind of adding adding to well, it. Well, what we also have to do, too, and my, my mom was the first person who gave me this, this, mental, this mental breakdown of how we got to look at reports, right? If I, if I come and I say, hey... 
there's 10 people in here and three out of every 10 people in this room um like cheetos right so mm-hmm. you would say 30 percent of the people in this room like cheetos right so 30 percent of the black people in this room like cheetos in a room of 10 black people 30 percent of them like cheetos which means that's three that's three of them right mm-hmm. now if i came to you and we went to a bigger room that had 100 people into it and i say yo 26 people in this room like Cheetos. And now I came to you and be like, yo, well, 26% of the people of the people in that room like Cheetos. You get where I'm going with this? Yeah, sample size definitely. I mean, I did statistics when I was in college. So sample size, there's a lot of variants that can skew data uh one way or another. A good scientist or a good researcher will try as hard as they can to get their one, their personal bias out and to get those variables that may skew the data out of the out of the experiment as much as possible, because um, they know that they exist. You're if you're taught uh, statistical data analysis, you know what what variables exist that may skew the data or at least you're supposed to research it. You're supposed to research at least five to ten articles before you even try to do your own experiment just to know what pitfalls they may have come across that maybe you want to study yourself and or to just validate your data a little bit more to see how other people have done their experiments to make sure that they are um, researching what they are, are trying to research. But again, like when you start, when, when they expose what they're researching, which in this case was reports, like that was one element of a larger, of a larger experiment. But a larger survey, rather. But reports is a hard indicator in America because we know that police respond to reports from black and brown people way more than they respond to reports um, in the sense of people getting arrested or or something happening or somebody being sent to jail um, in black and brown people than they do white. So, you know, Mm -hmm. a, a white person may call up and the police come and they're like, hey relax everybody chill out and then they go home nobody gets arrested nothing happens it's it's over but if a black family does it somebody's going to jail and then they're counting that versus the situation where the cop just calmed everybody down and left so um so in that capacity you know you can't you can't live or die by it but um the other aspect of it though is that we as black people, like you said, Flo, have so much unresolved trauma from slavery and racism that we don't know how to unpack it. And so as a unit, we are trauma bonding and we are re-traumatizing each other. Um, and, and this is in, in lieu of like romantic relationships, because I think the question started to turn into this like in, rom- in, in lieu of romance type of situation. So um, I think we have to start having a real conversation about there are a lot of values that we attach to relationships and love that are superficial and lead us down these roads of like revalidating these ideas that we ain't shit to one another. A lot of us men are valuing how good a girl looks and how crazy the sex might be over anything else. And then if you realize that the key to her attention is how much you spend on her, and that's not what you you value in a relationship. A lot of niggas don't just know how to just leave it alone. They have to do everything in their power to get the pussy. And then they want to complain about 
oh, she was a gold digger. And it's like, but you were chasing the quote unquote bad bitch. And then when she makes bad bitch moves, you want to be upset about it. And then for the girls, it's like, if you're out here and you're chasing these niggas that are throwing money out there, it's like, you got to stop valuing money and shit over intimacy. Like how much a dude is willing to spend on you does not equate to how much they're interested in you. And I think a lot of, at least from the conversations that I've had with certain women, a lot of women think that if you spend more money, that means that you're more interested. And that's just, I, I, I think it's just false. If you're willing to buy a Birkin bag for me, that, that tells me that you, you like me and things like that. And that has nothing, one has nothing to do with, with the other. Some niggas really just got it. He really just got money. That's what to say. Like, if, <laughs> if you really, if you, if reality is, bro, if you're worth twenty or thirty mil, and you chilling, a thousand dollar bag ain't really gonna hurt your pockets if you're frivolous with your money. No. So it it all comes down to that to that to that mindset when it comes to that. So I feel like you can't put a value on something because people spend what they could afford. At the end of the day, if if I'm only making you know, a hundred K a year spending two grand on a bag or 20 grand, not 20 grand, but spending 5k on a bag might not be the most smartest decision for me just Mm -hmm. to say, I bought it for you. Yeah. I'm going to value that a little bit differently, especially if we're in a a dating phase or something like that. I'm, I'm not really finning to run out here and buy you a Birkin bag. Like I, to me, that is a valuable product. So if I'm giving that to you and we're still in some gray space where tomorrow you can be like, you know what, this was cool, but I'm good. I'm, you know, there's no assurance in, in that moment to do something like that. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of girls will, will deal with a nigga that they know is blatantly living flag- flagrantly. Like we, we all been in the yeah. conversations where shorty knows the nigga is out here trapping or doing wild shit. And then they get confused when the nigga does wild shit to them. And it's like, but you, this nigga's living like this. So he's not going to switch up um, just because you with him. So it's just a matter of us all being accountable for our actions, too. Um, you know, like if we keep things on a superficial interaction and that's what you want, then cool. Like that, that's what it is. Like if mm-hmm. if you meet somebody and y'all on the same wavelength about, all right, let's just fuck around and have fun and it, then cool, whatever. But it becomes an issue when it's like you're falling in love or you fall in, in, in like or whatever for people that are re-traumatizing you because now we have this narrative that we don't love each other. And it's like you can't get a new you can't you can't be mad about not getting nutrients from a Big Mac. <laughs> you know, like a Big Mac is hard to get nutrients that, from. That is a true. You know, I, so I, you know what's funny about it? I thought I thought about something just now and which is an interesting fact because I feel like black men and black women, a black man will go to a college that's, you know, outside of the, the urban arena and find himself a bit more willing to try different, to try different races or try to date different races. We might, I feel like black women tend to go and it's less likely They'll go to that out, that college just outside and still try to find a black guy at that college. That's a fact. You feel I me? Mean? Meanwhile, uh, real niggas will go there and real real fancy everything. Oh, you oh you from where? Japan? All right. 
<laughs> and as long as she's, as long as we find her attractive, men, black men are more willing to take that chance and date outside the race. I mean, but I don't that... know if it's going to be a marrying situation, but I think we're more willing to do it more than women are, no matter what circumstance, no matter what environment they're in, they're still more likely to date within their race. I mean, I think that highlights the fact that black women are kind of more loyal to blackness than black men to some degree. I also think it, it highlights the traumatization that we spoke about earlier regarding this idea of of other being better. Um, that's that's why we kind of see that a little bit more. As well as, you know, there is uh, there are guys that are out there that are just like, okay, well, you know, let me see what's up. It, I mean, it's not always attached to the negativity of the situation, but a lot of it is, so... How, um, how about this? Let's 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 throw this out there really quick. I, I, this is this is a, a radical idea. But what if the fact that a lot of times black men who were raised by black mothers that their upbringing was more pleasant, that they're more likely to still date within their race than black men who had an upbringing by a black mom who that upbringing was either a struggle or wasn't pleasant or my mom was always an angry black mom and they feel like this is how all black women are and that's the reason why they're more willing to date outside their race meanwhile a lot of girls who who who, who might have been raised raised either without a father with the absence of a strong black man so they look for a strong black man and someone else or there might have been daddy's little girl or they might have been raised in a situation where you know, they they respect a, a black man. I think it all comes down to what the trauma we go through as un, within our upbringing. I because mean, if I was raised by an angry black mom, I'm not. I'm going to think all black women are like that. I mean, I think that just the way you framed it is just a little skewed because if you're raised and and your dad was was negative or whatever i don't know if there's a strong correlation that you're going to look for that as much as there's still a strong correlation that you may do the same thing that the black male would do and hate your father and hate hate the the black male to some extent i just i just really do believe that i mean even even if you look at social justice situations uh, nine times out of ten, at least within the last ten years, black women have been at the forefront of a lot of black Black Lives Matters. Uh, when Trayvon situation happened, any of these situations is black women who are putting these things together and 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 uh, activating. So I think it, it's a little bit deeper than just what happens at home. Although I do feel like that can play a part for sure. It can't discredit that. That's definitely a component. But I just don't know how that always correlates out. I can't, I can't say yes or no that, you know, for black men it it makes them when when they're in a good household, quote unquote, because then that's a variable in itself. Like, good to some people might be bad to others, or whatever you whatever have you. Um, but I don't I don't know necessarily if it'll correlate differently for black female versus black male if they have a negative influence in their in their life or not. Um, Distinguish, you got anything? Yeah, man, I'm just uh, I'm just taking it all in. You guys have been saying a lot of great things. Um, a lot of stuff that I was going to say anyway, D-Flow actually uh, touched on it. 
um, going back to slavery and all of that. And, you know, uh, just to throw it out there, you know, the Willie Lynch, you know, situation for those of you guys who are still not familiar with what Willie Lynch did. He was a hired um, specialist in slavery. So he was like the top master of masters in terms of how to tame a slave, how to enslave a black woman, a black male, um, a black child. And he basically was in charge of, well, he was responsible for a lot of the mental deterioration of the black family. So he was the one who came up with the idea to pit the young slave against the old slave, pit the dark-skinned slave against the light-skinned slave, and then pit man against woman. And that is where a lot of the deterioration of the black family unit originally really started to deteriorate from, uh, directly from slavery um, because of that man and all the things that he was teaching the slave masses in the year 1712. Um, but going to this angle, though, um, so that we, you know, we, we kind of give people different angles to look at it. Um, one of the things that I find interesting is that a lot of black men um, and this is a narrative that I'm kind of like getting annoyed about, but we have to still talk about it because still some men are not finding ways to deal with it or confront it. But a lot of black men do not love themselves. Therefore, how the hell are they going to love a black woman? They don't already like themselves. Like, I'm, they don't really like... I mean, we just we just spoke about it, brothers, with the guy that I was talking about, the other dude. The way he was talking to him about his woman. About his woman. Like, that. Like that's crazy. Like And then think it's okay. And then think there's nothing wrong. And, you know, just to even have those thoughts. I mean, they say the plot is thicker than the sin. So just to even have those thoughts, I mean, you thought those things, which means just like you said earlier, X, that means you really feel this way. This, this ain't just a rap, my nigga. Like, you really feel that way about mm. yourself. And you really feel this way about black women. And you really feel this way about black people. Like, that's deep. That is really deep. I mean, your, your point about the, the Willie Lynch theory, too, um, brings another component that's like really important to talk about in terms of black men really not liking themselves. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, um, and I guess it's part of this, the slavery codes, um, when a black man doesn't like himself, he does so much shit to the people around him that is really it, it, it's like. I don't know. I mean, and I, I know that this is every man. This is, isn't only entitled to black men, but it's most detrimental because we're most at risk for certain things. So and and a lot of just again, from speaking to women, a lot of our women really, truly look to us to lead them um, in into certain situations like they really do look for the man to be the provider and the protector and all these things um and so because that mindset exists and because that is something that is is pre-existing when when the black man can't lead and when the black man is doing wild <laughs> shit to the family it's like it, it breaks down the village and that's part of how if you want to take it back to africa like that's part of how we were we were communal and coming here and being slaves and stuff broke that up but when our when our village is broken up like we are really really dysfunctional um and that's another really sad 
piece of the whole conversation right. that needs to needs to be had in terms of there's always going to be things on all sides where people can elevate and do better but it's just i think a lot of times as black men we ignore the fact that there are things that we need to do better it may not be me it may not be you Flo. it may not be you distinguished but as a as a community of black men we got to start to like really get into a different place um and we got to like kind of figure that out now nah, that's a fact I agree, man. I just think it's a it's a difficult thing, man, because there's so many layers to peel off. You walk into a situation and distinguish said it great. You can't you can't love someone if you don't love yourself. And you can't look for me to be a leader if I don't know how to lead. That's a fact. You feel me? If I was never taught how to lead, if I never saw a strong black leader, if all I knew all my life was just, you know, you know, being being um being timid i guess you could say you know don't do this don't do that you're not supposed to do that or you can't do this or you've never seen greatness before and then you have the black female now who's in probably sometimes in a worse mind state than i am in they have their own trauma that they had to come up with that's a fact and they're dealing with so much layers of trauma themselves and now you're looking at me to guide you and i need guidance my goddamn self yeah, and then you know I mean? so that's it's, it's a it's a struggle. I mean, that's that's kind of why we we're gonna talk about it a little bit more in this next segment. Um, this things you wanna you wanna introduce this shit or or should well, I? Well, first again, we had already said this prior to even starting up the podcast for the listeners who are victims um of domestic violence that falls under any category that deals with any type of sodomy, any type of rape, any type of uh, forced entry, any type of sexual assault, any type of sexual harassment, anything that falls under the guidelines of rape culture. We want you guys to understand that this part of the segment, again, we're not joking. We're not throwing out wild innuendos. We're going to have real talk, and especially for our male audience and our male listeners, we really want you guys to listen up, particularly black men, again, this is something that not only just affects um, the community, but this affects us as a people because this and these set atrocities shouldn't be happening to any human being on the face of this planet. Um, and for the fact that it's still happening um, in 2020 and for people who still don't know what certain things are, we just want you guys to listen up to this topic. So I'm going to let XAB take it away now. Yeah, and and once again, before we even get into it, Anybody who may be triggered, we are about to start talking about um, a situation that could be triggering for some. Um, and so if that's you, we, you know, we'll probably put a timestamp somewhere on the episode where you can kind of skip it. Um, but for those of you who will, you know, it's not going to be triggering this. It's something we got we to talk about. So many of you know, and it, it, it happened earlier this week, but Twitter was ablaze. <laughs> Uh, when a young lady uh, described having a, a very unfortunate event with a person who is associated with Duce Palooza, uh, which has a lot of different connections, obviously to Duce, which is connected to Jay-Z, obviously to Rory, who's connected to the Joe Budden podcast. Um, and the, the allegations were against the dude named Chris Styles. I don't know him. Uh, I don't think many of us know him 
um, on this nah, podcast, nah. at least. Um, but he is he is a big staple for Duce Palooza. Um, and so she tweeted out uh, that she had a story to tell and she, she told her story. I do have some of the, the women's stories in here um, that we can kind of go over a little bit later. But uh, she told her story. And then when she told her story, multiple women like I read at least 10 stories um, came out about mm. about how homie does really nasty, disgusting things um, when it comes to dealing with women. Um, and so, like, again, I have some of the stories that I'll, I'll read out because they've already been made public. Um, so some you guys can decipher for yourself what was the nasty part, what wasn't. Um, but it leads us to, to having a, a conversation that I think men need to have with men about this culture that we are living in and perpetuating. And sometimes we don't know that we're perpetuating it. Um, but, um, I think the first thing that D you said you wanted to kind of talk about was do men even understand what some of these things are? Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think, um, I don't think a lot of men in general understand what goes into some of the things that happen that are, that fall under the, um, definition of what rape culture is and, I know for me, personally, I'm a lover of words. Um, a lot of you guys know I'm a poet. Um, I love words. I love playing with words. And I love, you know, using them in ways that kind of convey a story and paint a picture. And hopefully not only add shock value, but also, you know, you kind of listen to it and it teaches you something. But um, a lot of men still don't know what sexual harassment is, despite, I would say... of our jobs in America, somewhere in your employee handbook that they give you, there is a huge section on sexual harassment. Some jobs even have sexual harassment courses. Some jobs even have to evaluate you before you get hired. So I don't know how the fuck niggas still don't know what that is. I don't know. So... So we're going to break it down because I, I have all of the definitions okay. here um, and, and we're going to talk about it. Um, and so I can understand why some people have certain confusion. I don't un- I can't understand why you wouldn't know what it is, because some of them do have some form of overlap. So I can we're going to again, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But yeah, I, I 100 percent agree. I think that there's a lot of men out here that don't understand sexual harassment, assault, rape, unwanted attention. And that no means no. And when it comes to these conversations, I think men have a very hard time taking accountability for any instance where they may have made a girl feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because there's a nastiness that surrounds those conversations. And I think the best way to start the conversation is to note that when dating someone new that you don't know and they don't know you, there's pretty much a 50 50 percent chance of an awkward moment (laughs) happening where one party may make the other party feel uncomfortable. And that doesn't make you a bad person off rip. That doesn't mean that you're bad because you might have overstepped your boundary to some extent. Now, what starts to show your character and where things start to go left is how you deal with said awkward moment and what exactly the awkward moment is. So, like, if you go in for a kiss and 
Shorty is like not feeling it. She tells you no. Um, awkward moment. But what do you do afterwards? And that's not a moment where it's like, okay, like what the fuck was you thinking? Maybe you had a great night. You thought that you could go in for the kiss at the end of the night. And she was like, wait, it ain't that type of party. It's an awkward moment. Doesn't make you a bad guy for attempting to kiss her. Um, unless she's really explicitly been giving you signals the whole night that that's not what was, was going down. And that's not the type of party that it was. Um, but awkward moment nonetheless. Cool. Now, what you do afterwards is what then starts to put you in the category of some of these words that are often used in, in said situations. Um, now, if you get upset and you curse her out, uh, now you're starting to, to, to put yourself in, in one of these categories. If you, you know, apologize and, you know, you move over, now you're putting yourself in a category of, of still keeping a safe environment um, to, to whatever extent that you can. Um, now, again, this is also about what you do. So if you are in the club and you randomly grab someone's ass, that is flagrant off rip. There is no apologizing after. There's no, oh, I didn't know. Or, nah, you already, you already in one of these categories. So you don't have a, a, a chance. Now, again, there are some people who are raised certain types of ways. So it doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. But you, like I said, you in, you in wild territory now. You should know better because you wouldn't want no no dude or no girl coming and grabbing your shit so you should know better but maybe i don't know your upbringing but i do know in this patriarchal society that there are a lot of things that men teach young men to do that are very flagrant and shouldn't be taught um so you might get that talking to the first time but after that you need to know better because you already have stepped into the harassment category of what's going down um so the more important piece is that men have to be more responsible, I think, in this area where it, in regards of making people feel safe um, because we have natural physical advantages. Like, again, I know all of us have been in situations where a, a shorty has come on to us and we wasn't feeling it. And, is, and I already hear some of the arguments of like, well, what about that? I've been in a situation and the, there's a very clear difference between how you might have felt and how they might have felt. And that's that's really where the component about a man being responsible for the safety comes into play. If a girl comes on to me, I can only speak for myself right now, but I think that it makes the most sense for 90 percent of the men out here. If a girl comes on to me in my crib and I'm chilling and she starts getting too aggressive to some extent. Almost every time, if I had to, if it had to go down the way, I could probably fight that person off. Now, that role is reversed as a girl. If I'm a 110-pound mm -hmm. girl and I'm chilling in my crib with a 210-pound dude and he decides he wants to get wild physical, I don't have in my mind the ability that I could just fight them off. So the safety, the, the, the fear that, that may arouse when... I tell him no, and he continues, whether he thinks he's joking, playing, laughing, or not, is going to be, that, that level of anxiety is going to be a little bit different. Like, that, that's, that's just really the case. So the argument there about, like, yeah, it could happen to men too, absolutely. 
but the I think the level how it happens to men is is typically different. And in terms of the anxiety that one feels when they're inside situation where they're with somebody who starts to get a little bit out of control is just slightly different. So um at the end of the day, right, we just have to be responsible and we we need to take on what we need to take on as men. We always want to talk about what it means to be a man and I'm a man this and we always equate that to shit that don't really matter. But when it comes to shit that does matter, we always want to shy away from it and make excuses as to why we aren't being as responsible as we need to be. In this in this case, Nine out of 10, you need to 100% be responsible. Like, there's, there's very rarely going to be a scenario where I think even as a young man or as an older man or whatever have you, you would feel comfortable with putting a young woman in danger on y'all behalf. Like, at least I know for me when I, how I'm raised, you know, I, I, girls got to walk on the inside of the street. Because in case of a car jumps over, I mean, at the end of the day, we both dead if a car really jumps the curb. But it's still a matter of mm. of safety that you're providing for someone to feel. You're 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 sending mental signals to somebody that, oh, you know what, this person at least is showing that they care to some extent. So let's break down the different types. So sexual assault. Sexual assault is when you physically touch somebody without their permission, typically in a private part area, but it can be anywhere. This also in, includes coercing somebody to touch you or forcing them to do a sexual act on you. So for the niggas in the back, grabbing a girl's butt or slapping her ass as she walks by, you are now in the sexual assault category. Because there's no woman out here that's going to turn around and smile and be like, ooh, that's my knight in shining armor. I can't wait to be with him. You have violated somebody's space. You <laughs> violated them um, without their permission. Sexual abuse. Now, sexual abuse encompasses long and short term sexual assault. And it also talks about sexual behaviors towards minors. So sometimes that's interchangeable. And that's why I said before that I can understand why people can sometimes get confused about these things because they're all kind of interwoven into one thing, but they're also separate at the same time. So um, for my niggas in the back again. Holding a girl's hands down and forcing a kiss can be form of sexual abuse. And is and it's not just about long-term things. So again, it encompasses everything. Sexual harassment, that typically refers to unwanted or uninvited verbal and physical behavior that is sexual in nature, and especially by a person who is in authority or to a subordinate or something like that. However, it's not exclusive to the workforce. Like, I know a lot of times when we talk about sexual harassment, the first thing we think about is what happens in the office, what happens in a workspace. And so niggas tend to count themselves out because it's like, oh, well, I never done nothing like that at work. Um, But it doesn't have to be at work. Sexual harassment can happen anywhere. And again, for the niggas in the back, telling a woman on the job nice breasts is definitely a form of sexual harassment. If you do not have said relationship with homegirl and y'all joke like this on a regular and at the workspace, it's going to be hard for you to even get to a point where you're joking like that, because the first time you say that shit and she's not with it, you already put yourself in a bad predicament. Um, it's finito petito, my friend. <laughs> and then trying to turn. And now this is one that I think people also discredit or count out. 
Trying to turn a business meeting into an intimate date by continuously saying sexual comments during the business dinner is a form of sexual harassment. So if you tell a young lady to come on to, yo, you know what? I got this music project I want us to work on. Um, why don't you meet me at Fridays? And then they meet you at Fridays and you like, oh, let me buy you a drink. And they're like, OK, cool. And then you start talking about some, yeah, so when we hop on this track, you know, it's about sex. So, you know, we got to do some intimate shit, you know, just to see if we got chemistry and shit like that. And she's looking That's at you. That's crazy because I can see niggas doing that. I, niggas do that. That's some rocky shit for sure. Niggas do this shit all the time where it's like, and now they throwing the sexual shit out and shorty's not biting. And then they continuously do it over and over and over. You are now harassing the homegirl, and it's a form of coercion as well. Because if you're a big artist, let's say you got you you pretty much got a record deal and things like that, and it's like, yo, but you know, I I want you on this track, but in order for you to get on this track, you know, we gotta. Why don't you come to the crib? Like now you're in the coercion area because you're holding something over over them. So sexual coercion is an unwanted sexual activity that happens when you are pressured, tricked, or threatened. Or forced by non-physical way to have sex. So essentially, you you can trick somebody, you can threaten. Is 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 more in line of using your words as a form of forcing someone to do something, um, which a lot of men kind of discredit because they they don't. Every time you think about rape, you're thinking about oh well, I forced her head on me or something like that. So if I didn't do that, then I didn't I didn't walk into the realm of sexual assault or sexual harassment. But if again. You are telling someone um, that the only way you'll be able to put them in a certain job interview is if they have sex with you. That's coercion or saying that you're not letting somebody leave until you get some. Um, That's a form of coercion. You don't have to be explicit about physically hurting them. But again, that brings me back to the scenario where if if a 210 pound dude invites a 120 pound girl over the crib. And he gets a little too whatever. They they laughing and joking at first. And then she's like, all right, I'm about to leave. And then he goes and blocks the door or he goes and stands in front of her. And he's like, nah, you ain't leaving until I get some. Now you're you're entering a certain type of space. Now, again, it's also about the vibe. There are plenty of times where there's joking, laughing, teasing, playing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about there being awkward scenarios where it's very hard for you to not understand that the shit is going left. Like, it's very hard for you to be like, nah, I didn't, I didn't feel nothing weird about it. You know, we're talking about situations where the, the room turns silent and shit is, is happening. Now, again, that don't always happen. There's sometimes where a girl may comply with you, and that's where the coercion conversation becomes tricky, and, and like, there's a lot of, of up-in-the-air moments. Um, but... A girl might comply with you because they think the alternative is worse. Like, but you you also would know that moment. It's not it's not going to feel like oh we were just laughing and having fun and then all of a sudden things just switched up and I don't know why it switched up. At least seven out of ten. Like I'm I'll give that statistic, but it's really nine out of ten. I mean, finally, there's rape, which is forced penetration with or sexual acts. With someone um, who was under threat or against their will or someone beneath a certain age or, or incapable of valid consent. So making a drunk girl 
who is out of her mind, meaning she is going in and out of consciousness, give you head or have sex with you, you are now in a space of rape because this person is out of their mind. They, they can't tell you yes or no. So if you're in a space where someone cannot tell you yes or no, leave it alone. Um, and then that leads us into what happened with Rory. So Rory got under fire because apparently somebody sent him a message a while ago that was like, yo, Rory, your boy out here moving crazy with women. Mad of them have the same story about him. And if they come together to expose dude, he going to fuck your whole business up. So Rory sent him a question mark. Um, and this happened on March 2nd. 2020 and then the person says i'm only putting you on because i don't want your shit to be fucked up uh dude you be doing palooza with the host i've come across a couple of women that have had similar experiences with him being coercive and manipulative now i don't think any will expose him but i'm bringing you up to speed and then he goes appreciate the rory goes appreciate the info in what way was he being coercive and manipulative and then the dude goes he got a spot in flatbush from their stories, they say that he got a studio over there. They said that when they went over there, they felt he was very rapey because he felt pressure to they felt pressure to have sex with him. He don't like being told no. He don't take women on dates, which isn't a crime. But I'm calling out this along with the fact that he lived in Flatbush since you may know that about him and you can scale the authenticity of their experience. If you won't lay in his bed or if he tries to fuck and you don't and you not with it, he gets tight. He pulled his dick out on some of them on the first link. Some said he's done that at his crib and some said in his car. I don't want to give these women away because the manipulative stories could give him some type of clue as to who they are. And he has threatened to go to the cops if they ever exposed him. If one person said something to me, then yeah, but it's too many uh, similarities with every person that has brought him up. Mm. Um, so that's what was told to Rory. Um, and then there's a story here by a young lady that says, hey, can I please remain anonymous too? But I had similar experiences like that with other women have shared as well. Before I, I moved here, I was... In town visiting with my friends from college, Chris wanted to link. I tried to meet him at a restaurant not far from my hotel, and he told me he would link me by my hotel. Then he would go get food. I gave him the address to the hotel up the street. As I walked up the block to meet him, he challenged me about why I gave him the wrong address. I tried to play it cool. He was insistent on going up to my room. I declined, and I said I wanted to eat. When we went into the restaurant, in my hotel, he didn't know I was staying in. Um, as soon as we sat down, he told me he wanted to fuck before he went to work. I ignored him and he, <laughs> I ignored him and he snatched the menu out of my hands and told me we were leaving. He started laughing because I couldn't believe he was wilding like this. He told me I was childish, started calling me all kinds of bitches and then went on to threatening me. I got up to leave and ran out the restaurant. He follows me into my hotel. I told the receptionist he was not with me and asked them not to tell him any information about me. They walked me to the elevator and Chris goes back into the restaurant and orders $100 worth of food 
and tried to put it under my room name. He was still calling my phone back to back, calling me all times of gap tooths, stuck up bitches, uh, and all kinds of other shit. I blocked him and went on like nothing happened. A few weeks went by. He texted me from a different number, apologizing for his behavior and said he wants another chance because he let his emotions get the best of him. So I gave him the benefit of the doubt and linked him again. This time, he didn't give me a chance to get away. He literally forced himself on me. He wouldn't take no for an answer while in the middle of everything. I seen he had his fucking phone out recording the entire thing. I was humiliated and asked him to leave after we had sex, which y'all didn't have sex. He was right. Um, after we had sex, we went back to he went back to name calling. I was 21 at the time in college. Now I'm 27. And I told his friends and other women around him what had happened. They just brushed that shit right off under the rug. One girl I was friends with told me not to worry. He's a lit nigga and could, and I should be proud to say I fucked him. She fucked him and told him I was telling people what happened. And Chris told me if I ever said anything, he would expose me for being a clout chaser and a dick rider. So I said nothing. It's been years since it's happened and I do everything to avoid this nigga. But I'm, I'm so happy this is coming to light. I thought. All along, maybe it was just me. He did this too, but it wasn't. Um, so that's one story. Um, but well, yeah, but, yeah, that was wild, else, bro. Yeah. Oh my y'all, god, y'all, nigga, that was crazy. Nah, that is wild. really wild, wild, bro. I'm listening. I'm, I'm listening to you like man, I'm watching a, a Lifetime documentary series. I'm being honest. No, nah, when I read the shit last night, I was like, "Yo, this is really, really crazy." Yeah, I don't, I don't think nobody, and I don't think nobody would make that up. That hell no, hell no, hell no. Nah, I mean it's not. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not made up. That that's that's coming from a, a genuine place. I would believe. Um, it's it's wacky, man. I I think it's a it's an interesting thing because I think this happens all too often. So it's it's really it's really dissettling to really to really, you know, hear that niggas is really fiending like that. It's just like like come on nigga, like there's so many other there's so many other willing women out there who's willing to give you the time of the day than for you to be targeting and fucking exploiting these younger chicks, but So Rory is also under fire because he wrote a tweet in 2014 um, to Chris Styles that says, if she regrets it, it's rape. Doesn't matter if it was consensual. That's their rule. And then Chris replied, laugh my ass off. I can't. Um, if she regrets it, it's rape. It doesn't matter if it was consensual or not. And then he goes, and then Rory goes, laugh my ass off. I'm dead ass. They'll, it'll, that'll stick in court. It's like the stand your ground law. All about how you feel, not what really happened. Oh. And a lot of people are coming at him because, you know, obviously, yes, there are there are conversations that people have regarding, yo, uh, like, I don't remember it this way versus how somebody else remembers it. But when you kind of make try to make that the rule and not the exception it kind of downplays the fact that like there are instances where men overstep their boundaries. And it, and that's really the reality of the situation. I'm not saying that every man does that. It's not saying 
that every, like I said earlier, every awkward situation means that. But at the end of the day, it does happen. And you want to do your best not to invalidate things by kind of making it seem as if, oh, well, you know, it's whatever happens in in how someone feels in the moment um, because it's, it's deeper than rap. <laughs> like, there's a lot more that goes yeah, I mean, into but that. that. That's a that's a slippery slope. That's a very slippery slope with that. If she regrets it, it's rape. Because that's something that could legitimately happen. It so I don't know if we should make light of it because it's something that a lot of women go through. I just think that sometimes women make certain decisions in the heat of the moment and things follow through and the next day they wake up and they feel differently about it. However, if there are women who are pushing it to the point where they're calling it rape, then they're just as disgusting themselves. So, you know, but like you said, it's a, it's a slippery slope because then it comes down to how the both of you perceive that situation. And neither one is going to admit. I don't think most, most men won't admit that they were wild and they'll always look at it from, well, now nah, she was with it. And then she would be like, no, you pressured me into doing it. And I just went with it because I felt that was a safer thing to do than to challenge you when it gets worse. So, you you know. No, I mean, the the moral of the story with that is really you have, when you you make your goal, when you make your number one goal sex with people sometimes, you have to make sure that that's their number one goal with you as well. Because when you when you start to get into this phase of trying to trick people and putting on a facade um, or being a pseudo version of yourself and and then it's like anything to get the pussy when you end up in a situation, it's kind of hard for you to battle it out because your mentality that whole time was to get the pussy. So I think subconsciously, a lot of men don't realize that. What you do to end up getting the pussy may be over, over, it's overstepping your boundaries. It's like, it's like when niggas is playing a, 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 even like battle rap. We go back to the battle rap situation. That nigga was trying to do anything in his quote unquote caliber to win that battle rap. And he really thought that, yo, if I destroy him on his family, then I'm going to win this joint. But in the process of it, you just you really came at black women and blackness and you really made yourself look like a disgusting fool. You you kind of did a scorch earth policy against yourself. So I think that when people have certain things in the forefront, they don't realize what they're willing to do just to say that they got what it is that they wanted. And when you do that, you end you end up in these nasty, nasty ass situations. So, I mean, I think that that's really one of the one of the situations here that that really needs to be highlighted um when it comes to Yeah, I mean it's it's unfortunate and and I always look at it like a, a downplay. I'm not going to I don't want to downplay it, but in a much more simpler way as well as like you go to your your friend's house and they're smoking. You're not a smoker, but every minute they keep passing the weed. Yo, smoke. Yo, smoke. At some point, you're going to be like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to just take a hit of this shit real quick. Mm-hmm. Just to not seem like you don't want to be, you might enjoy their company, you want to hang out, but to just not seem like you're not taking interest, you just go along with it because you know it's only going to lead to, oh, they don't think you're cool enough or 
oh, they don't fuck with you a certain way simply because you're not partaking in what they're doing. And I know that's a super downplayed version of this, but it's the same thing. It's like if you're chilling with someone and the whole night they've been talking about sex, the whole night they've been talking about beating the pussy up or what type of, you know, sexual avenger they are. And um, you 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 might be like, all right, fuck it, but I like this person. I, I think they're cute. Or you might find them interesting or you might find them humorous. And you get to the point where you're like, fuck it, I think I'm a, I'm a, you know, go to the crib or you end up in the whip. And now it's being pushed. A lot of, a lot of women, I feel, sometimes just go with the flow and don't really want to do it. And that's what ends up with these, you know, the next morning, the regret and what, what us, like you said, when you're in the pursuit of it, we as men, we're not thinking about it. We're just thinking, Oh shit! She gave us the green light, or what appears to be the green light. Yeah, and and they are ignoring you know all of the shit beforehand that clearly was kind of signaling that this shouldn't happen. At least not tonight. It doesn't mean that it may not happen at some point, but you know, like if you're as you said, like you said it very well in terms of when you in the and your mindset is pursuit. You pursuing, 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 and there's mad red flags that this shit is is not really what you want to be happening because it's just not it's not going down the way that it should. You know, like there there's flags on the play and and then when you finally hear that yes, you're just so elated that you got your goal and you're ignoring the fact that half your team is fucking on the bench beat up because you you didn't run the play the proper way solely because you want to to pat the stat sheet and make it look like you you know you the mvp but that ain't it bro like so um so the, the next situation that ended up happening is mouse jones um ended up i guess getting flagrant with with a uh, chris styles and started like kind of just blazing I didn't see the tweets, but the story is that he he kind of like aired out a bunch of people and and kind of like went in on the fact that you know a lot of a lot of people in this industry are doing these things, and so what ended up happening there is apparently Mouse Jones has a mentor named Blogzilla, and Blogzilla has a lot of stories about him doing wild flagrant flagrant shit with women and a lot of them have stories and unfortunately distinguished and i actually met one of the young women that that uh put a story out about him and i mean from my interaction, i only met her one time but from my interaction with this young lady she is she has no reason and the reason i think we're highlighting this is because a lot of the stuff is on social media it's not you know police reports or anything like that so we have to highlight to some extent about you know does it seem real or not even though like it's not a matter of who we believe or not obviously a lot of this shit is just shit it's 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 out there so i don't think anybody's putting this stuff out there if they're not trying to stand by the truth but um this young lady put out after a press kit uh, junket, he allowed me to shadow him on. He invited me to sit at a bar for a drink with him to discuss building my career, in quotations, in which I accepted. He then went on to talk about me 
um, about non-related things and ended the conversation with, I got your back in this thing. Days later, those conversations soon turned into invites to come over his house and go on dates. From you should be my girl to I'm trying to be with you. I declined often making up excuses on why I wouldn't. So I didn't offend him. The final straw came for me when he sent me to Miami for a huge interview, which at the time was my first. During my time in Miami, I reached out to tell him how thankful I was that he had allowed me to do such a big interview. He answered with, you can thank me when you return. Um, Confused, but still happy to be there. I continue with my time in Miami. Um, This. I want to clarify that Blogzilla has never physically forced himself onto me in any way. However, I heard the accounts of these women and I know that my negative experience working under him was not isolated. And because of these women, I can now tell my truth. Um, so this actually came before the story I just told, but it all flows anyway. I started working with under Blogzilla as a young freelance journalist out of college. After interning at the Source magazine, I was young, hungry and ready and uh, really ready to break into the industry. He hired me as a contractor to take the bigger interviews he did not have time for. After my first two, he began to come on to me romantically, asking about my dating life and my sexual habits with men. I politely brushed those advances off as I was young and dumb and I just wanted to work. Now it returns back to the Miami situation. Um, As I was on my way back to Miami, he texted me to drop the video footage off at his house so that he can edit and prepare it for the next morning. My father picked me up from the airport and agreed to take me to drop off the footage. I called him to notify him I was outside and he asked me to come upstairs. I did so. And as and as knocked on his as I was knocking on his door. He opened and asked me to come in. I refused, and he went on a tangent about how I was foul for not staying, as he cooked for me, and how he was mad that I thought uh, he would cut this video without me staying over that night. Um, I kept saying no as he tried to encourage me to come in for quote-unquote dinner and wine. I had to call my dad and put him on speaker to show him I had someone downstairs waiting for me. After constantly texting him about further opportunities, he continued to not pay attention to it unless I agreed to go out with him. Again, I denied these advances, but a month later, I got an email saying I was no longer able, welcome to work with him in Global Grind, all because finally I got the courage to sternly turn down his advances. Um, I was let go. For all those who hit me up to check on me prior to these women coming out with their stories, thank you. This has been a truly triggering. Uh, to remember that a man used his power to gain sexual favors for, for from women and how I was let go uh, for turning him down. I know now I'm not alone and the women who have come forward, thank you. This has released a huge burden on me. Um, I've been carrying hope justice is served. So that would be uh, that would be an example of coercion, coercion where you uh you're dangling opportunities in front of somebody, but saying the only way they're going to get this opportunity is some form of a sexual behavior um, or sexual act. Um, yeah, I mean, there's more stories. I don't know if we need to go through all of them, but um, that's how Mouse Jones ended up getting into the situation because Blogzilla apparently is, it will mentored him at some point. And because of that mentorship, 
Um, a lot of people are kind of saying, well, you out here airing everybody else out, but what about homeboy? And then that kind of leads us to our next conversation um, regarding this. And that to me is as much as I, I get, you know, that we want to make sure that these niggas is out of here. I kind of don't feel like it's productive or helpful to come at people who are simply friends or acquaintances um, about someone's actions without proof that they have firsthand knowledge that something wrong was going on. Um, I think that's unfair to bring someone into someone's like situation and ask them to come. I mean, I think it's fair to ask them to comment on it, you know, but dragging them in as if they did the same, the shit as well. It, it kind of doesn't like, it don't sit well with me. I don't know how y'all feel. Um, but for me, I kind of just think that is, is unfair because I know me personally and even some of my close friends, I don't know what they, I don't know what their dating life encompasses and is like, like, I know that they date, they might tell me surface level shit about the date, but very rarely do I feel like I've ever had conversations where a in-depth detailed con like situation was painted where I had to discuss with my friend like, oh, yo, you might have did something that you you probably shouldn't have done on said date. So just because these people are guilty, like you're making these people guilty by association, as Distinguished would say, like it, these people may not not know these people's habits. So I just think it, it, you got to be a little bit fair towards the the friends because this is a shock for them too and i'm not making any i'm not caping for nobody i'm not making any excuses for anybody but at the end of the day like if i find out one of my friends did some wild crazy flagrant shit like this i am trying to process that as well and a lot of times i'm probably sitting there like this is not the person that i know doesn't mean that i don't think i like i don't believe what's happening but in a sense, I don't believe what's happening. Like in terms of like, yo, my friend is really doing like the person I consider my friend is. And that's a shock to a lot of people. My friend did this shit like so. I mean, that's my take on it. I don't know what you guys um, how y'all feel. Um, Flo, I don't know if you want to go first. I don't got much to say, bro. I just I don't know. So you can go ahead. To say got you. Yeah, um, bro. Well. Just to go to the tail end of what you said, bro. Yeah, if we was to find out that anybody outside of the podcast that we know that came to a live show, somebody that we went to school with, somebody that we probably played basketball with when we was kids, somebody that we grew up on a block on, if we found out that that and 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 that person was like close to us, and if we found out, or if I found out that that person had did something like that, and that person actually um did this to multiple people that would be a lot for me to take in because i would first first me personally i would have i would have to question myself and i would have to be like yo distinguish have you ever ever seen this person act this way and if so can you recall a story that kind of backs up these claims that these women and or anybody for that matter who said they were assaulted by him in any way shape or form can you verify that this actually may be true for yourself before you really you know try to go down a rabbit hole because if in fact that it is true this must mean that either one at certain given time i should have said something because i probably could have said something and 
Now the question is, looking back, should I have said something? Because that may make me feel like I was like indirectly um, helping this person do such acts because I was there or I heard about it, but I just never said anything. Or what we were talking about offline, I brushed it off and was like, damn, bro, that was wild. Damn, bro, that was crazy. Yo, you bugging for that and just did not have a follow-up and say, yo, bro, you might need to have a conversation, bro. You might have an issue that's deeper than you doing these things with women. You may have an issue that you need to address with a therapist. You may have an issue that you may need to address with a counselor. You may have an issue that you need to address um, possibly with somebody in a church. You know, maybe you need um, some guidance in a way that um, has nothing to do with what you're doing in your profession. Maybe you need to take a break from your fields because you're allowing the allure and all of these other things that you're attached with, you've you've allowed that to prompt you up and, you know, giving you like this macho um, situation where you feel like it is okay because of who you now are or it is okay because of the platform that you're on or it is okay because you had the followers. And this is not to say niggas that don't have followers or niggas that don't quote unquote associate themselves with getting girls, quote unquote, that doesn't mean they can't do the same thing. But I feel like when you're prompted up, when you're on a pedestal, when you're lights, camera actions, when you're always on the go, when quote unquote, everybody loves you, some men may feel like they can take advantage. It's not until they're called out that is when they feel like, oh my God, I'm being attacked. Oh my God, they finally found out. Like, no, my nigga, you've always been doing this in the light. Women have been the ones keeping your secrets in the dark. Speaking of, there's a story here that says, Blogzilla loves to use his connections in the industry to try and get women to have sex with him. I thought he genuinely wanted to work with me. He offered to set me up with a celebrity interviews, etc., but soon the phone calls and interactions took a different turn. That's another, yo, another girl. Yo, I don't that. know who this man is yeah. from Adam and Eve. And to be politically correct for our listeners, I don't know this man from Adam and Steve. This motherfucker gotta go. He gotta go. He he gotta go. A few years ago, I was at the peak of my hosting career, which put me on Blogzilla's radar at the time. We only knew each other in passing and had only spoken on very brief and rare occasions. He was really at the peak of his own career and his show Global Grind was making massive noise at the time. So I was a bit surprised when he reached out to me in search of a co-host, although I was very deserving of such a prominent position at the Vetted Media Company. I accepted the interview offer and when I came in, I realized that it was a table of a lot of beautiful, talented women who were being interviewed at the same time. I was unaware that it was going to be a group interview, but I was ready to put my best foot forward in order to snag the title. Zilla introduced himself, mentioned maybe only two things about the company, and then puts us all in different scenarios where we were basically competing against one another. I remember feeling a bit uneasy and even fetishized because here was this man at the end of the table making all of these women go head to head for a seat by his side, but it really didn't have anything to do with his, with hosting abilities. A lot of the women were there. A lot of the women there were video girls with no experience. He never got on camera to check our actual interview skills and talents. There was no one else there from. Let me see. I don't think I have the rest of that shit. 
Um, but yeah, there's just m- multiple stories about this this situation and this person. And again, these are these are all n- this is all alleged. Nothing is, uh, you know, uh, uh, a, a police report account or anything like that. Um, but you, as listeners, can take what you want from it. Um, at the end of the day, for for men who still feel confused, hopefully you don't after listening to this. No means no. Don't worry about the mood being killed. Don't worry about, uh, you know, the moment passing. At the end of the day, what is for you is for you. And so you much, much rather just take that no, take that L and keep it pushing. You know, if that young lady is in your car, you don't say fuck you and drop her off in the middle of the street. You don't get tight. Like all of those things lead to negative interactions and negative feelings at the end of the night. She says no, respect it, drop her off, um, and you figure out what you want to do. Keep it pushing, bro. Yep, you figure out what you want to do with that relationship moving forward after that. You know, and you got to reevaluate yourself as to what you really are trying to get to happen there. Um, men got to detach their their egos from sex. I think that that's that's one of the things that we really need to hi- highlight as well. Um, so, but yeah, bro, I know I, I don't know if you had anything else. I know I, I stepped. No, no, bit. I was just gonna say like overall, you know, and again, um, we appreciate everybody who stayed up until this part. I do understand that there's a lot of listeners that probably tuned out. Um, and I definitely would keep you in prayer. No pun intended. Um, I do know that there's a lot of listeners at this part of the podcast, particularly our men who don't want to come to grips and face to face with the reality that we've been perpetuating as a culture and as a society and as a, a patriarchal system. For the most part, we've been doing this. Um, nobody has um, uh, forced us, at least up until this point, to still not know what the fuck we shouldn't be doing. So um, we, we do hope that at, at some point in time that we can have a real dialogue and conversation. And we hope when we have further uh, future conversations on issues that, you know, kind of, you know, are very close and, you know, touchy, that you do stay for this part and you just don't come to us for the banter and the jokes and the shits and the giggles. Yeah, and I know that we say some wild flagrant shit sometimes as well, in jest, in joke. Um, but when it's time to get serious, it's time to get serious. And my final thing on it is, especially for men that still may be a little bit confused as to whatever, is that a lot of times it's hard for us to understand, just like how we look at white people and how racism blinds them to the inalienable truths about like race. I think sexism blinds us as men from the truths regarding how women are treated in this society. Um, and a lot of times they don't. They, a lot of the plights are, are brushed under the rug until we do things like read their actual stories, which is the reason why I did so. Um, no other reason but to bring light to the fact that I think it's important for, for us as men to hear these stories, hear, hear these women take the time out to sit wherever they were for however, however many hours to detail out the, the disgusting uh, interactions they had with somebody and then and then have to post it online. Like, that's not a that's not an easy thing. And I think a lot of times when we hear certain stories, we just be like, yo, I don't know. There's a gray area around it. But when you kind of sit there and you read shit like that, 
I don't know, man. At least for me, ain't no ain't no gray. I but, think um, just to just to go to that point and then we could move on with the um with the show. I think the reason why and again, this is not necessarily my views. I'm just speaking kind of like in general. But I feel like sometimes when we hear stories like this or when we hear stories, we, we're, we're, we're a bit apprehensive. And I don't know if that's because generally when we hear things or when we see things or when we feel like we know things well enough, when we hear a story, we kind of almost be like, uh, I don't know. Or mm, that don't sound right because we're always being told that we're always being fed something. Um, and we're always being like solicited to. So when people hear certain shit, I feel like the automatic response and default is, nah, that's not real. Or, yo, that's fake. Or, nah, I'm good right now. Or if somebody's trying to sell you something on the street, nah, I'm good right now. Like we we, we kind of almost want to turn a, a blind, naked eye to it because we've, we've been hit or we have been uh, continuously getting hit with shit that we feel like is like, it's, it's an over-bombardment. It's like, all right, this shit is too much. Like, this shit really happened? Or is this what's really happening? Yo, I just want to fucking go to work, son. I'm not even trying to really hear or see this shit right now. So I feel like that's kind of why. I mean, I think... I think that's part of it. I also think that a lot of, a lot of dudes, they kind of like... They put themselves in the shoes of said individual on quote-unquote trial for better, a lack of a better term. And they find some similarities in some of the things that they've done that said person on trial, uh, again, I'm using that term loosely, um, has done. And they're like, man, I've been in a situation like that. And, yo, nah, it it really didn't go down that way. Like, that wasn't even my intention or whatever have you. And sometimes, yeah, maybe your interaction seemed mirrored but was very different. Or maybe you just didn't realize you were you were engaging in some real fuckboy shit. Um, and I think that for a lot of a lot of people in general, like when they look at certain things, they they like like flow often brings up like there's a scenario where you with shorty and y'all y'all both get sauced up and y'all, you know, something happens. And then maybe shorty is just like, ah, you know what? Last night shouldn't have happened. And now niggas in a a mini panic mode because he's like yo what the fuck and then they see a a a story or article come out and it's like girl says she was raped after um both of them get drunk and wake up the next day and now you sitting there like i'm not a rapist though so nah that man that that shit that shit don't even equate you know it's like no your stories aren't the same they they may have had some similarities but shorty at the end of the day just woke up and said nah i wasn't we probably shouldn't have did that. Like that probably shouldn't have happened versus shorty over here who feels violated and feels like, yo, I was taken advantage of. So there's the difference there. But I think a lot of times because we live in this type of society where we have to be the aggressor and we have to go out there as the men to like push, or at least that's the perception, push the envelope a little bit, be a little edgy to see if shorty is into you to a certain extent. Um, I think there's a lot of similarities in certain stories that def that aren't the same type of story. Like they are definitely even when talking about the the scenarios we brought up earlier. I've been in scenarios where a girl um is in my apartment and we're play fighting and tickling or whatever the case is, and er- the energy was that it was play fighting, it was fun, it was tickling, it was da da da. 
And I've also heard stories where it's like girl is is in a situation and dude is being overly aggressive with her. And it's like, but the energy was never fun. The energy was never there. Um, so it was a totally different story, although maybe there was some play fighting going on at some point in it. My story ended with everyone smiling, happy, and, and chilling. Their story ended up with homegirl feeling extremely violated. So it's like, that's where I think a lot of people have a hard time, you know, feel, feeling like, nah, this, this, this ain't it. But um, because... Even with this, I, there's there's scenarios where I've you know as a rapper trying to get a girl into into a music video, and we link up um, at dinner or something like that, and we're talking. But me, I just never got down that road of being like, yo, so you know what you you know what you do sexually. Like I'm always I've always been a respectful dude, and I think. All of the women that I've had interactions with can can vouch for that. But, you know, even when I invited, even when we did glasses and bow ties, bro, I don't think any, not one woman could could say that we was wilding during the video shoots and during the photo shoots and nothing like that. I don't think not one woman felt And we had a lot of, and, and we had times. about 15, 14 women there too, actually. Um, and to this day, a lot of them actually still support us, like our, like, devout supporters of us even as we transition into dads and bow ties you're right and and we've had dinners with them we've had brunches we've had whatever the case is and you know our mouths are flagrant but it's also about the energy around it it's about who you're talking to and what type of energy is there so i think that that's really the main difference and you know if you as a man ever feel confused about oh well how what's the difference is it's really about the energy and what's happening. Um, all right, so let's move on. Uh, 3-6 Mafia versus Bone Thug. Are we here for that? Nah, because I didn't even... First of all, I didn't even know 3-6 Mafia was still a fucking group. I thought uh, Juicy J was like, yo, I'm out. Apparently, they're going to do a versus, though. I don't know if it's an official... I, don't, I think it's an unofficial we don't want versus. It. But they we don't want to do... It. No, we, I, I don't want that shit. Somebody tell me why we we don't want to. No, niggas is already dying. Niggas are, and we could. No, nah, I don't want to hear that. But I'm I'm versus uh, out. It's not enough. I I I'm I'm not really. I mean, probably down south, people would be willing to hear it. Cleveland versus Mississippi, but uh, I think I'm gonna pass on it. Yeah, I'm versus out unless it's it. The only other one I'm looking forward to is whoever the hell Diddy ends up facing. But after Teddy Riley and and them, they struggle bus, um, watching cats get on live and fucking play bad audio music through their speakers into a phone. I'm I'm done. I'm over it. I'm I'm. I'm actually over. here for seeing Diddy. I'm actually here for seeing Diddy versus Dre or Diddy versus like Jermaine Dupri. Yeah, I'm here for that. Be a dope. I'm here for that. I'm here for that for sure. Like I, I will be a okay with with niggas doing that, but all these other shits that niggas is trying to do is like, all right, now I'm kind of getting burnt out from it, and I think a lot of these IG uh, situations are kind of burning themselves out, and I'm I'm over them. Um, nah, bro, bro, we're getting to a point when niggas is tired, where niggas is almost getting tired of lives. I'm gonna be honest, niggas is getting tired of lives now. It's too much. Too much. No, it's a fact. It's a fact. So there's an all-in challenge that is is 
revolving around quarantine and it's supposed to be building up funds and stuff. Uh, Kim Kardashian added to the challenge and said that for her prize, if you end up winning the all in challenge, she will let you she'll fly you out, but she's going to fly you out. um, Coach, she's going to fly you out and you'll be able to have a date with um, her and her sisters, like a, a lunch date with her and her sisters. Um, I personally like the idea. I would do it. Um, I don't know how y'all Bro, feel I think about that's it. trash. I'm like, I feel like that's the dumbest shit. Is that the best they got for quarantine, D-Flow? Is that the best? The fuck? I think they got some other shit in the yeah. tank, but... Oh, yeah, you're going to show up on the show, too. Bro, I don't, I don't give a you'll, fuck. You'll get a, I don't give a oh, fuck. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's some there's some white boy and some white girl that 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 is melting their hearts right now. For me, I don't I don't care enough for me to take interest in it. However, it's good it's good to build people's morale. There's a lot of people who look up to them as idols, so I'm pretty sure that light up someone's day. I mean, I ain't throwing mad amounts of bread to that. Uh, me personally, but. Uh, it's, it seems like right. I'm, I'm so I'm good off that so, brother. Thank you. Facts. <laughs> I get you. So now that now that we all have the Netflix situation popping, and I told you about my situation earlier, Black as Fuck is out, or Black as or Black yeah. AF, um, and it's getting a lot of negative. Uh, feedback. I don't know if you guys seen it on. Your I've Netflix seen previews account. of it, I, and I honestly, I'm not interested. I'm gonna be honest. I'm like, I no, just I'm watched it. I don't. I watched it. It was a. It was a good. It was a good comedic take. Um, I think it's a good comedic take on black privilege and how we perceive that, mm. and some of the negative stigmas that come with black privilege, and how we try to bring realism back into that said privilege in terms of like a wealthy black family and how they struggle with what the realistic aspect of certain things are but at the same time try to validate some of the struggles they've been through certain through certain i guess stereotype ways but it's a decent show it's not a it's funny and you know i don't take it i don't take it too serious i know it's it's more comedic but there's some there's some true essence to it too. So if you're really reading between the lines, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things there. But it's a it's a decent show. A decent yeah, a lot show. of people criticizing it, it, saying that there is not black enough. There's not enough dark skin representation. Um, and although I hear the criticisms, for me, I haven't seen the show yet. I only watched like ten minutes of the first episode. It doesn't look like it. Yeah, it doesn't look like the type of of shows that I normally would watch, but I still I'm still going to take a look at it. I'm still going to watch a couple episodes and see if I take to it or not. But um I just feel like it's kind of hard to criticize a show that's based off of someone's real life. And so since it's based off of his real life, it's kind of like how how are how's the public able to tell him what real life experiences he went through and then Kevin Hart was was breaking it down and when he was talking about it he um he mentioned that at the end of it it kind of all comes together because his daughter is doing a project and I'm not going to spoil it but his daughter's doing a project 
And at when she reveals the project, it it kind of like brings to light all of the shit that, um, you know, it makes them realize how dumb they look, basically. So mm-hmm. I don't know if people. I just feel like you know when 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 Black Twitter starts going into a frenzy, people start to just try and jump on the train to to trend, um, with whatever is popping in terms of oh yeah. we we negatively criticizing this shit. All right, I'm gonna be the next one to make yeah, a video. I think what's interesting about this show to me, and I've been I've been watching a lot of people get the negative feedback. What I'm just like, are y'all not? Is this too realistic for what what real rich black people deal with? Because I think we all have this false representation of what being rich and black is, mm. and we all think that oh, you're rich and black, you you're in the you're in the promised land now, and you just out here living the best life you could. When there's a lot of there's a lot of stereotypes and there's a lot of struggles you deal with within the black family still not because you're rich that doesn't mean the black the problems go away, mm-hmm. and you know and and how we make fun of certain things, and how we criticize certain things and it also it's also a very modern representation of what being a a a, a more upper echelon black family is where you have that frugal dad, and the mom who wants more, so. It's an interesting representation to me. It's a modern day take on the Cosby's, but without the positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. I, uh, of course, in a like a everyday life type of situation. Right. So distinguished Diddy said that the black vote will not be free this election, and that he's willing to hold his vote hostage. And a lot of people feel like that statement is irresponsible. Um, how you feel? Wait, wait, wait. So Diddy basically saying don't vote. That's what a lot of people said can be implied from it. But I think Diddy is alluding to the fact that there needs to be some form of an agenda for black people in order for him to feel comfortable voting. But a lot of people are saying that just like you, you automatically was like, yo, that means don't vote. They're, they're saying a lot of people are going to take that message to mean don't vote, and that's a dangerous message I think right people now. will take that as don't vote. And Diddy, oh, man, we fucking love Diddy, but Diddy, we got to call a square square in a circle circle. My nigga, my nigga, you're the same nigga that when Obama was running, what was your slogan? We all remember, vote or what? Die, nigga. You got to get die. it together, Diddy. You got to pick these battles, baby. You got gray hairs and shit. You ain't getting no <laughs> pussy no more. What the fuck going on, man? Do you have dogs? Do, do you need a pet? I mean, I don't think I don't think what he said is I don't think what he's saying is bad though. I think he's just saying that we got to watch who we're willingly just giving No, our I hear to. that. <laughs> and what he's saying is that So I don't I don't get what how how the ridicule plays into it because I kind of agree with it. You're going to have to earn my vote this election. Well, a lot of and people that's are that's sa- just the reality. A lot of people are saying one is bad timing. He should have said this during the primaries, um, and because now the only option is you only got two options ahead of you, and we all know that Trump ain't it. So it's kind of like if you yeah. want to put this pressure on people regarding like making sure a platform looks a certain type of way. And you should have did it then. By saying this now, you're almost kind of... Because what happened was a lot of people was in his comment section talking about, see, this is why I didn't vote last time, and I don't plan on voting this time, or whatever the case is. 
So a lot of people are like, it's an irresponsible message to just put that out there without any clarification. So add a little bit more to I'm willing to hold my vote hostage because to some people is that that means uh, don't vote and I'm not going to vote. So you shouldn't vote. Like, that's how some people are going to interpret it. So I think people are just saying, like, be a little bit more responsible and add add to your message so that people know what you mean by it. Because what you said, I think, is 100 percent what he means. I think he means like, yeah, y'all have to make sure that y'all going to do something for us. And and that is going to make me want to really vote for you. Other than that, we're not just going to keep putting people in power that don't have our best interest in mind. So I don't think there's nothing wrong with the message. I just think the delivery and and not clarifying it for people is where people kind of have issues. Um, yeah, I mean it. It's a big part because him and the upper echelon, he's a part of the upper echelon in our in what in our culture and and people. A lot of people take what him and Jay and Beyonce and and we all all that that circle of people that we hold on that pedestal in terms of the in terms of black culture and a lot of people take what they say very seriously as law so yeah clarification is a bad yeah a lot of people take if oh if diddy and jane supporting it i ain't supporting it like a lot of people go with that so you know it's very important that of course he needs to clarify but i think i i understood it and like you said you know unfortunately not a lot of people a lot of not, not a lot of people have that 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 mindset or that frame of mind to, to decipher it and interpret it in a certain way. So, um, but yeah, I'm 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 in agreement with him though in the, in the overall statement. You're gonna have to earn my vote because, you know, right now you're gonna have to convince me that that whoever is running right now is has my best interest or has the best interest of the people around me. Which mostly, you know, most of the times you won't even know, because you know the general over over overall statements tend to just overshadow what we personally want. So we could just hope that they have somewhat of our best interest. But New York, New York, you know, New York primaries are gone, so we won't even have that chance. It's just Biden and and Trump. So here, here's the here's the wacky part of the show where we get back to that has a bow ties. There's a professor who recently apparently got fired because while he was zooming his class, they were able to see that there was a bookmark on his computer for a a porn site. So when I read that, my initial thing was, do y'all think that he should have been fired for that? Negative. Negative. What? Nigga, no. what? So, how you gonna fire me for something go, that's on my it's personal, my personal This ain't, we ain't out at the workplace. I could jerk, I'm jerking off with the same hand I'm pointing at the yeah, screen at. Like, I'm cool. Nobody's getting affected. So, so now, what I had the same impression, and then I read a little bit more, and the bookmarked porn was Busty College Girls. Bro. Bro, bro, he bro, he can't fuck his students. He can't fantasize about them? What the fuck? No, he cannot <laughs> fantasize about them. That, that kind of went left. I don't, that came I don't, out wrong. Nigga, that that came out wrong. That 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 that, 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 that I that came out it, I don't I don't think he should still be penalized for what he's doing in his personal time as long as it's legal. 
So D Flow, how should his penis be penalized, sir? As long as he's doing. They shouldn't be penalizing, bro. He shouldn't be punished. He shouldn't be, you know, be get fired. Because these nosy ass kids want to be all looking at all he, the yo. He should have took that shit off though. He should have hit but, that. Um, shit. Yeah, from, I, I don't even think he was paying attention to it, bro. Obviously, for me, it's slightly Who's tricky think- because I know that I feel like as a parent of a of a like a fresh eighteen year old girl going to college, if I seen that her professor often or has it's so often that they bookmarked it is looking at busty college girls that's gonna make me that's gonna raise some bro, questions for me bro I'm sorry like it, it, it is gonna There's raise a some questions for me that looks like his favorite porno star every time he looks at the porno star he reminds himself i can't fuck listen, that student listen, listen all right but i'm gonna jerk off to this girl that looks like my student let's cut me. to the chase let's let's all be real here my nigga we all watch yeah that, that's not the problem all of us have come across that's porn. not the porn yeah, is, the not, the porn porn is not the problem. It, <laughs> the porn is not the problem what, for me. What the porn is not the problem at the same time. How many videos haven't you watched? I said black teen. Or oh no, nah, I don't do we're going into another place, <laughs> guys. Like I don't know if like, I want to go in. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go yeah. in. It's not another place, it's a fact, bro. So you're telling me you've never watched a porn video where the girl is like hot, they're like, how old are you? And she's like, I'm 19. <laughs> Yo, what the fuck are we talking about? Not all of our porn stars are I think I'm about to head out. My nigga, like, half the porn I think, about to... I think the difference is... Right. Y'all could front about it if y'all want, but... Nobody's fronting about it, but I think the difference is, like, as a college professor, you know, again, if I find if I found that out about my, my child's college professor... Is raising questions, like I mean, there's no way around it. As and as a, a university community, I can see that negatively impacting the university. I'm not saying he should have got fired. I don't, I don't know. I'm up and down. It's his personal computer, da da da. But that headline is questionable. It is like I, I feel like we can't, we can't gloss that over and act like that don't raise some questions. Like that would be equivalent to a parent. Finding out that somebody who works in in a high school is looking at like uh teeny high schoolers, and it's like, yeah, the girl's like, yeah, I'm 18, but that's still questionable that that on, you're working at a high school and your bookmarked fucking uh porn porn of choice is 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 18 year old high school student comes on mm. to teacher mm-hmm. or whatever. Now, granted, it's supposed to be a fantasy right. realm, right. so. You know, we understand that portion of it. I just feel like I, I don't know, man. If I walk into my 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 uh, daughter's high school and and I brush past one of their teachers' computer laptops and that's what's on it, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Now, high school obviously is a little bit more tricky. You have minors, so in college, the the barrier is a little bit different, where everybody is at least assumed to be 18 or over, but they're still kind of like a there's questions there because like we was talking about earlier in the day um in terms of cohesion and what is this nigga doing with these the, like like what is his interactions like with his female college students now it is a little unfair i agree i agree with that in terms of like yo it's his personal computer it's not like he put the porn up and was like yo let's all watch this together but it does raise questions for me 
that's that's my only point. It definitely raises questions. So, uh, <laughs> I I don't know what to tell you, bro. I feel I wouldn't have fired him. If anything, I would have I would have countersued him. And be like, y'all niggas should have given me a laptop then. If y'all didn't want me to use it, if y'all want to pay this much attention, I just to my think he should have found a way to hide the could, bookmark could, or the thumbnail or whatever too. the fuck it was. I think that he's a great teacher, and if he wants to try to redirect his career, motherfucker, we got some shit. Call OnlyFans, nigga. You are not out of luck. Good luck. Good luck, professor. <laughs> good luck. That just made it ten times worse. But good luck. You might see some of your students on that site. You might see oh. some of your students. Meg the Stallion. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm transitioning right out this shit. Transitioning right out of this shit here. Um Meg the Stallion. So we called it. I actually feel really good about calling this one. Cause we really we really were ahead of the curve that she uh was gonna drop the remix with Correct. Beyonce. Which was last week. Um, we said that shit last week. And we did say that last week, and a lot of people were surprised when mm-hmm. it dropped uh right. yesterday. So kudos to you for sending me that no link. No doubt, brother. No doubt. But um, how you feel about? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I I think I also said too. It's not like we really were. Here. I, first of all, to be very honest, I'm not going to be jumping on a bandwagon. I really don't like Savage. If I'm keeping it a hundred, I I and I said this mm. when Sugar came out initially. Remember, you put me on a Sugar. We listened to Sugar. I didn't really like Sugar, and I feel like. Honestly speaking, Meg, we love you just like we love Nikki, Cardi. I think Savage was pushed down our throat holes on the radio. Me personally. I feel like the song was being being oh, overly played. And I'm like, yo, y'all trying to convince us that this shit is bigger than what it is. This is this hits nowhere towards any of her other hits on her previous projects. Savage is probably like a C fucking minor compared to all the other shit that she's put out. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Meg. You know, you might be listening. I agree, it's, 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 It doesn't come up to par. So to put Beyonce on it, I feel like Beyonce was just trying to be like, hey, well, I'm going to help you out. That's how I feel. Like, it's a nice lob. Here goes Kobe. Kobe is, you know, trying to figure out what he going to do in the paint. But you know what? Shaq is coming down the motherfucking middle. We going to throw that shit to Shaq. He going to make sure we get this bucket. Yep, we going to get it. this dunk. Now, I kind of I kind of feel the same the same way I do I do like the song but like you said I don't think it's at the level of her other song calibers the, the, cali- the caliber of her other Correct. songs that came out like it's an okay song to me so I do feel like this was just a gimme I don't feel like this was like a crazy song that Beyonce had to Correct. jump on and so she jumped Correct. on it and Meg is killing so she like it just felt like alright Rock Nation is is managing you uh, we obviously got this connect to mm-hmm. Beyonce, and if we throw Beyonce on your shit, you're going to blow the right. fuck up, and you're going to owe us a lot, and you're going to be in debt to yeah. the company yeah. to some extent. D-Flow and, said um, it last week. I think D-Flow know, said something along the lines of, this is not going to do anything for Beyonce, but this is going to do way more for Megan, and more importantly, going back to the point, the points that you're making about she's going to owe them. Yeah, you're gonna fucking owe them motherfuckers. You better, you better, your next project, you better be producing Heat Heat. They want that money. They want that shit back. Beyonce probably did it for free. The, the funny thing, though, I mean, Savage, Savage ahead, is actually, um, it's not a great record, but it's a very popular record right now. And I think the TikTok challenge blew it up. It made it a way more relevant record. 
mm-hmm. every little girl knows this record. I think every chicken around this country knows this record. So and don't forget Tiger know, King. Uh, Tiger King much... helped blow that shit up too. Wait, that song was in Tiger King. Yep. So it's like, no, but niggas was the doing basket version. Yeah, niggas did different versions of it where it was like killed her husband. Uh, something like so niggas was dressing up like whacked the tiger kid yeah whacked him that's yeah. wild yeah, so yeah, like it, it the song did really well and I think it to be honest with you it benefited Beyonce just as much because it, it keeps her relevant it makes people understand like Beyonce Beyonce is still out here making records she still got the sauce and um it definitely boosted Megan's credentials in terms of her credibility of pulling artists like Beyonce to jump on her record so people We'll, we'll take her a bit more serious now in terms of her putting out a, a solid song. But the remix isn't bad. It's, it's cool. It's, it's not thing. bad. The reason why I do think it helps Beyonce is because Beyonce's versus fire. I'm not even going to yeah, hold Yeah, yeah, Beyonce, yeah. <laughs> Beyonce. yeah. It is. She, she spit some bars. <laughs> Beyonce killed that verse. <laughs> like, that shit was hard. So, I mean, she started talking about OnlyFans and shit. I was like, yo, Beyonce really wilding on this record. But... I do feel like it helps her because I don't think people were expecting her to... One, I don't think people were expecting her to rap like that. And then two, um, her verse was actually a, a the good verse The record, my brother, is so, called Savage. We've never really seen a much okay. more savagery person that's both R&B appealing and like crossing over when she raps than Beyonce. Beyonce took a turn for the better in hip-hop music, brothers. If you remember, hold on. Just gonna let it let it breathe a little bit. When they fucking gave us the Carter's album, and I was like, yes, yes. I don't know who y'all praising, but thank you for this project. Because then we heard Beyonce go on a record we all love called Ape Shit. And she destroyed Jay. Beyonce was all over that record. I was like, oh, Beyonce really is a ratchet motherfucker. Like for real. Like she's ratchet. Like legit. I really think she suppressed it for so long. A piece of it came out when she did Drunk in Love, when she was singing We Going All Night and talking about surfing on a nigga surfboard and watermelon. We knew there was a peak there, but when she dropped, <laughs> hold on, we're gonna let her breathe a little bit. Wait, I'm gonna let her breathe. When she dropped ape shit, uh, right, we knew, right brother. <laughs> we knew how that the beehive <laughs> was like all the nectar, <laughs> motherfucker, all the nectar is gonna spill out <laughs> on the congregation. <laughs> Can I get an amen on Twitter? <laughs> amen. I fucking Okay. Oh, Amen. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Queen Beyonce, stuff. we love you. <laughs> That's a fact. Remix right. is fire. Um, so Queen Naja's husband, Clarence, is, is apparently under fire because he went on social media the other day and would put up put up a tweet that said, Yeah, my son is packing. <laughs> So a lot of people were like, yo, that's oh, pedophil- right, pedophilia. Pedophilia. Right, we, we, we off that. We off that. <laughs> you said what? What flow? I don't even know I really want to talk about this, bro. I'm being honest. And you know I'm wild. I don't know, bro. This could go this could go in a lot of different ways that I don't want it to go. All I'ma say is this. Did this nigga have a conversation with T.I.? Did you have a conversation, Clarence, with fucking uh T.I. Harris? What the fuck, man? Not everything needs to go on social media, y'all. Like niggas really gotta stop putting everything on social media. That's that inside joke you keep with your That's with not your even wife. a joke. Like, That's not oh. a joke. Bro, why are you looking at your son's meat talking about, oh, damn, son. Oh, you packing, my nigga. Okay, you you got a big dick. What? <laughs> I what? mean, 
I listen. Parents do shit like that. I'm not going. I'm not going to say that parents don't. do Has this, your mom, bro? Has your mom said, "Well, wow, Xavier, you got a big dick." We that no that that we okay. not talk about me. I'm talking <laughs> okay. about parents. <laughs> we talk about parents. I know parents who be who who seen their son. Or I mean, you watching your son and stuff like that. So it's not out of the ordinary. But that's like normally something that people keep within their family type joke or type of comment. Like, oh, when he grows up, he's going to be slaying mm. or or he's going to be well mm. off when he grows mm. up type situation. That ain't something that I, I'm hopping on Twitter to let the world know. Like, yeah, I mean, and I get it. He probably I don't. I mean, Clarence I don't is it, proud because I Clarence think, is like, wow, son, you look like you got a bigger dick than me, nigga. And I gave you that dick. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, so I think that that's what his mindset was. It's like, oh, I'm about to put this out there and it's about to be mad funny or no, whatever. No, but no. nah, that no. Keep keep that in keep that inside, dog. Yeah. Ain't I'll see you. I was about to say um, a joke about nausea and the sun, but I'ma let it go. I'ma let it go. <laughs> nope. Nope. I'm I'ma let it go. Nope. <laughs> this has been a great episode. We're not gonna fuck it up here. We are not gonna fuck it up here. That's that's what we're not gonna do. <laughs> um, so the final thing before Distinguished fucks this episode up. The U.S. government has confirmed uh, UFOs, footage of UFOs from 2003, I think, and 2015. They confirmed that those indeed are unidentified flying First and out. foremost, I want to give a big shout out to Nazir Jones for creating a what? beautiful album. <laughs> uh, a few years back when Obama was uh, running for president and eventually became elected and then officially became president, Nas said in the song, and I quote, we are not alone. Nas said, conspiracy theories, UFOs in the air. I seen it with my own two eyes and I swear. Nas has been talking about this for a few years. Him, Talib Kweli, Lupe Fiasco, a few rappers. So when I saw this on the agenda today, as I was reading this on the totem pole, I said, wow, the U.S. government is now up to fucking speed with the niggas in hip-hop culture. Congratulations, man. Congratulations. Congratulations. We're finally here now. I mean, they haven't, they have admitted to, to things like this in the past um, in terms of now, again, to be clear, UFO just stands for unidentified right. flying Well, I, I'm so surprised you had to clear that up a, for the niggas in the back. Because if niggas didn't know that, nigga, well, I see why you didn't know what the fuck sexual harassment and rape was. Because you're just an idiot. You're just dumb. Stupid. Well, you know, niggas, niggas automatically think uh, space oh alien ship. But a UFO could actually be like a ship from another country that we've never seen Correct. before or something like that. Or it could also be some shit that we can right. identify and by and depending on what the footage is showing and i seen the footage footage is kind of wild um the way the aircraft is moving they don't know how it's moving mm. like that so um yeah it's an interesting concept flow i don't know what you got for that <laughs> i know you was like what <laughs> oh no bro i've been saying i've been feeling this way for all my life so you know it's kind of wacky for talky, but that's a whole different conversation. I'm just trying to, day. I'm trying to figure out why all this shit is happening <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah, like what? <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> like what? <laughs> Yo, right now we in the land of the conspiracy theorists, man. This is the we bro, running the earth right now, Everybody bro. I just told theory. you earlier there is a show called Way We Live. I definitely, I'm definitely gonna be tuning in this week to see if them niggas be like, you know what, coronavirus. And the UFOs. Oh, my God. The aliens are coming. Oh, my God. So I can't wait to uh, tune into that to see what the fuck is up. 
we 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 might be looking at this shit all wrong. What if what if the UFOs drop some dust on us and that's what this shit is? Yo, (laughs) yo, that would be some shit. That would be some shit. You know, I'm not a conspiracy. I'm half joking, y'all. Don't don't go thinking aliens. Listen, don't listen to X. Even though you listen to your fucking president, (laughs) don't listen to X. Though you would you on a on a serious note though, like you would you have to at least partly believe that they do exist. Like if for for us not to think that they don't exist, like we're extremely self centered. Yeah, the nah. There's definitely <laughs> like there definitely has has to be. I mean, if if the infinity of the universe is as we perceive it to be, there has to be some other form of life. We're not alone. We're we're not the only ones fucking here or have been here or will be here. After us, there's going to be a whole different race. They probably not even calling themselves humans. You know what's you know what's wild about it, too, bro? And I I know we're about to wrap up, but you imagine this that we live our entire lives and we don't know what's past the clouds, bro. Mm. We only know what's in books that other men wrote. Yeah, and what we see on TVs. What we see on TV that someone else is feeding to us that that's their perception yeah. of it. And, like, and there has that, to be some truth yeah. behind some of these spaceships or not even spaceships, but some of these ships that the government apparently has that they can't figure out how it works. And stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, I'm not saying that it's whatever traditional ways we see aliens. But then again, like, when they, as they say, um, to every, you know, every story, there's some truth. Like, there's some truth somewhere in there. So, you know, there, there might have, there might be facilities that have other life forms that have visited that crash landed. And you can't, like you said, you can't really fully discredit it, whether you fully believe in it or not is one thing. Or, or how the pictures have been portrayed. Is is one thing, but you cannot discredit it at all that some form of something exists, and we don't we don't know we don't know like we have barely been in existence as human beings. So mm. when you look at it that way, there's so much for us to learn, um, and so much for us to understand, and we think we know a lot just because we realize that we're pretty smart as creatures, but. We're not as smart as we think we are in terms of the scope of understanding. That I mean, exists. again, there's still niggas um, in 2020 that don't know where rape is, bro. Crazy. Yeah. This is a yeah. fact. Um, tough tough not, not. This was a great motherfucking episode. I think we did a great job at uh, this guy. I, I would like to think. Hopefully our listeners uh, think the same, even though we probably going to have a few people in the peanut gallery like, nah, fuck them. They don't know what they're talking about. But uh, hey, we, we tried, you know. Um. And we are a group yeah. of men, so it is somewhat of a male right. perspective. I'm sure right. there's certain things from a female perspective right. we miss. Now, if I wake up tomorrow with a vagina, I'll be able to speak to uh, from a woman's perspective um, next week on the show. Um, tough nut. Sliding right <laughs> past that. <laughs> uh, tough nut. Yep. I really just want everybody to understand that we are having um, a interesting time come into grips with the demonic things that we've been withholding from the world. And we have a hard time when those things get brought to the light, because as much as we've been trying to keep it hidden and as much as we think we weren't doing anything wrong, when in fact it 
gets proven or is now, you know, out of the closet, we would like to run and hide and say we didn't know. Sometimes it's better to just admit when you're wrong, when you know you're wrong, than actually saying I didn't know because you saying you didn't know shows a piece of your ignorance. And then the other part is also letting others know that you took advantage in your ignorance and you knew better. So for those who know better, do better. We don't want to continuously continue to perpetuate the curses that started when owning slaves was in fashion. We don't want to keep on having to have the same conversations that we've been having year after year, century after century. We kind of know at this stage in the game what we need to do. If you need help, they have a fucking national hotline for suicide. If you need help, they have a hotline for people that need therapy. If you need help, there are how-to videos on what to do, how to say, like, there's people in the field of the help that can help. Experts, people that do things on the brain, people that have Zoom talks, like, there is help for you to get if you want the help. How to clear right, your browser. how to clear your browser so you don't end up like our professor. By the way, I really hope that motherfucker ends up on OnlyFans. I will be watching that in support of his college students. But, um, yeah, so... I don't... We, we, I don't okay. understand that, well, but forget it. Just, just brush past it. You've been doing a great job of brushing your hair. Brush past it, okay? Thank you, brother. So yeah, so we just need everybody to be be on the same accord. If you desperately need the help, there, you know, it's out there, you know. And I'm pretty sure, um, us three gentlemen on here, as much as we joke and banter, we can probably point you in the right direction too. Okay, so that is the tough knot. Thank you guys for listening. Xab. Yeah, what would that say is definitely to segue off of, of what you just said in that last piece in terms of we can help you too. And in in terms of that, I don't want us to sound like, I know we it might have been a little preachy on this episode at some points. We've all made mistakes. Every single person, everyone on this podcast have made mistakes. Everyone, you know, listening, I'm sure has made a mistake or whatever have you. It's It's really not about the mistakes unless you did some wild shit then it is about the mistake but it's not always about the mistake it's about what you do afterwards it's about how you move forward how you learn and grow from it and and how you proceed to make things better i think a, a large issue of what's happening in this generation is people are hurting each other and then never taking accountability for hurting each other they just like they just do some foul shit, and then even if they acknowledge to themselves, oh, shit, I did some foul shit, they never go back to that person and be like, yo, I fucked up with you. I did some really nasty things to you, and I just, you know, I, I at least just want to say I'm sorry. And I'm not talking about the extremes of what we spoke about earlier, but I'm talking about you and said person get into an argument, and you said some really nasty things about their family, or you said some really nasty things about them, and then the argument is over. For whatever reason, in this generation, it's more acceptable to just forget about it and then act like it never happened and be friends again than actually sit down and have a conversation where it's like, yo, like I said those things, but I don't believe it. Or like there's just some form of closure or clarity as to whatever negative transaction happens. So um, I think for all of us, we need to just acknowledge that, yo, we all do make mistakes and it's all about how we move forward after the mistake is made and after 
we uh, are understanding and realize that we did some fucked up shit. So um, with that being said, this has been another episode of Dad Hats and Bowties. Um, And yeah, we out. Peace.